decide the topic. From love chat for Matt to the hate in your heart. I can't believe it. There are no limits. You can be nice. I love legends. You can be mean. I don't give a fuck. Or you can blow it all up. Every Wednesday at 9, it gets crazy when you get their number and you can call them maybe. And now, here they are, Matt Christensen and Blonde. Hello and welcome to the show. It is the call-in show, the show where you get our number and we are at your mercy. Hello, Blonde. Hi. Thanks for patience with the week off last week, everybody. We are back at it as usual. And um, man, I've been so I had such a chaotic day. I have not even looked at the news at all, really. I have no idea what even happened today. I got set up to do the show about 15 minutes ago. So what did <laughs> I miss? Nice, though. <laughs> but I, a, I don't know. Are you asking me? Is that a rhetorical question? <laughs> no, I, I guess it's both. But here's a headline. Kamala Harris explains AI. AI is kind right. of a fancy thing. First of all, it's two letters. It means artificial intelligence. So, Are you serious? Is this for a, real? That's a real quote from our vice president. Um, anyway, I'm sure our trusty callers and emailers and chatters will fill, us, fill me in on uh, whatever I need to be filled in on. And uh, we, uh, we're back at it as usual. Most of you guys know how the call-in show works. Uh, but if you are new and you're curious about how to participate, there are instructions for how to do that in the description uh, on whatever video platform you may be viewing. If you'd like to participate in the show, but you can't do it live or you're having trouble getting in live, of course, you can send us an email question. The one and only way to do that is through the contact page of the website, mattchristensenmedia.com slash contact. Look for the call-in show question form. And uh, wow, it looks like we have something of a manageable list of questions tonight. It's not so bad, yeah. Yeah. We've had a couple waves lately, so maybe we can give more than a, a two-second answer, which uh, which will be nice. Um, all right, anything else before we hop into it? Let's do it. Let's all right, we, it. we'll catch up with your Super Chats every half hour as well. Uh, first up is Richard Parker. Richard, are you there? Good evening. Hi. What's on your mind? Um, well, first, I wanted to thank Blonde for clarifying the misunderstanding um, in my email question. She kind of rushed it. But I do, of course, believe that both parenting and culture are important. And so I wanted to thank her for uh, clarifying that misunderstanding. I do not remember what I said. So a little TLDR might help out the audience. Yeah. Um, so um, What's inspiring my call this evening is on May 24th, Millennial Wells, uh, Colin Robertson commented about that Mitzi fellow on TikTok. Who? Uh, his name is Mitzi. His real name is, I have to write this down, Bakari Bronze Ogaro. He's this blackie in London who was doing these TikTok pranks by going into people's houses without permission. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dog. He accosted this white Briton that is an actual Briton who has a right to be there saying, you want to die? And she's scared to death. I said, you want hair dye? And uh, she erupted in laughter, and there was some actual sexual tension there. And his oh. comments were were very illuminating to me because he extrapolates how this isn't an isolated thing, that it's a sociological phenomenon. And he doesn't state it as a mere opinion. He denounces modern British society as, quote, demonic, end quote, and evil for imposing multiculturalism 
and this sort of thing on actual Britons who have a right to be there. Mm, yeah. And it really resonated with me. And he talks about how by accosting this this white girl, this British girl, an actual British girl, uh, awkwardness leads to submission and how she was scared to death. And then when he pulls up the hair dye, she erupts in laughter. And he talks about that that sociological phenomenon and he correctly comments that British males should not have to deal with some quote fucking African in our midst. And he's not just the only one. Just so I understand the prank, because I haven't seen this particular video, though I do know generally the guy that you're talking about. You're saying he, he went into a home, effectively, if he didn't break in, he walked in without yeah, invitation. Yeah, I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll kind but, of re- I'll, the, I'll very quickly sort of encapsulate the things he's done. The gag, he's well, let me to, just, I just want to make sure I understand the gag in this case. He's saying die sure. in the house and then pulling out hair dye? No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm, you'll forgive me. I thought you, everyone had seen these videos. I haven't so seen this videos, one. I'm just, I just want to know what the, not yeah, that any either. of I've them seen like breaking into houses are, uh, are okay, but I'm just and, curious and, what and the one, actual prank is here. And, and one prank, he two actually, he walks into people's houses without permission, mm-hmm. you know, upper, you know, limousine liberals in London type of people. He took a woman's dog and then in the tube, he approaches this British girl white British girls redundancy because if you're not white, you're not British and ask her, do you want to die? And she's scared to death, like a, a black guy. And he describes him as having sort of a, um, a psychopathic look in his eye, like a, like an African with a machete in a war torn African. Country. Well, why'd this bitch get so chummy with him after he did that? I well, because like she it. says you want to die. And then he pulls out hair dye. And so it's a pun. Get it? You want, yeah, no, no, dye. I understand why, so but, she's, but why it's, did she? He he mortified her. He he terrified her. Why why was she? Well, Colin like, Robertson makes some very astute commentary about how you know you you exert dominance over women and awkwardness leads to submission. It's actually a key to sexual attraction, and he's afraid that if if he had wanted to, he could have put the make on this woman. And this is what Britons have to deal with. I assume yeah, he's been so arrested I, at this point, or has he not? Yeah, he got a 600-pound fine. And That's it. He was on a, That's it? Piers Morgan, and Piers Morgan said, I don't care about your skin color. Of course, he needs to care about his skin color. Right. But Matt, I, I know after the hang-up, you said that you felt that I just, like, things I like are awesome and things I don't like, I want to be banned. Yeah. I think that is an uncharitable characteristic because I don't like country music. I don't like Warren Swalk, and I don't want to ban these things. I'm talking about things to quote Colin Robertson that are demonic. Yeah, but my my evil. problem is you haven't given those any sort of objective definition. So it does boil well, down I, to I, things you like and don't like. Well, I, I have because I've talked about how in, our, in my last call, I said that we can look at, for instance, the teachings in religion, not even as a religious person, even though I'm not Christian. There are things in the Christian tradition that I can garner from to ascertain objective truths. History. Those, well, if it's objective you truth, why don't you believe in it? Well, I under I I understand the moral system of Christianity. That doesn't mean that I believe that Jesus Christ is actually our savior. Well, your point is respect. this is the objective standard through which I decide what should be banned or, or isn't. But well, it's not just me. I mean, Colin Robertson, Devin Stack, a lot of people are waking up. But if up the, it's this. the objective please standard, why don't you believe in please it? Please don't try to personalize these things. It's my mere individual no. preference. If, if it's the objective standard, why don't you believe in it? I'm saying that religion, not just Christianity, can reveal objective moral truths. Then why don't you but believe in it? That's just one. 
that's a separate issue. I don't want to discuss okay. my personal faith. I'm just saying that okay. even though as an agnostic or atheist, I see that religion can teach. But that's my problem. You're saying moral truths. this is the objective truth. That's why it has to be enforced. Well, also, that, I don't believe in that objective truth. Again, you can glean moral truths from religion without believing in it theologically. <laughs> what? There you can glean moral truths you don't in. believe in? I don't understand your question. You're saying simultaneously, this is the objective moral truth. I also don't believe in it. I don't think that's a fair characterization of my point. I'm saying Clarify. agnostics and atheists can look to religious tradition for things that have worked for humanity for thousands of years without necessarily believing in that deity. But that's not what the do only you believe thing in history. Them? I believe that... Um, I believe in race. I believe in blood. I believe that an intelligent, sensible survey of human history can teach us that these things aren't going to work. A, a brief survey of, of human nature shows the multiculturalism isn't going to work because any multiculturalism society uh, that is not a tyranny like the Ottoman Empire or Yugoslavia in the communist period uh, will fail. Once you take away the tyranny and the despotism, it won't work. Okay. And yeah, uh, I... in history... I still, I still don't follow the standard here, but uh, you can have a last word. You don't understand then... how a non-religious person can see the value in religious teachings? No, I, I don't understand as, the basis on which a... you say, I observe this as true, but I don't believe in it. That's a contradiction. that Jesus Christ is our Savior, but that doesn't mean I don't see moral truths or moral value in the Bible. Those are two separate things. Okay, so you... I, I don't want to be... Okay, so maybe, maybe that's the disconnect. It's Jesus Christ... Yeah. You don't believe in Jesus Christ as Savior, but you believe the Bible articulates moral truth. I believe that many religions articulate moral truths. Taoism, I think there's value in that. Okay. Um, but, and, you know, the great religions is, of the world. This is back to the original point. Experience. This is why I don't think it's an unfair accusation. It comes down to grab bag of stuff Richard likes against trash bag of no. stuff that Richard doesn't. No, it, grab no, bag is acceptable. Trash bag is banned. No, that is not... <laughs> that is correct. Because, that is no, fair and I correct. You're not Western articulating music, but I don't, any alternative. But that's my problem. You hate rap music okay. on some basis that Look, you can't really articulate. Things, <laughs> okay. If I just wanted to ban things I don't like, I'd want to ban country music or Lawrence Welk or cucumber flavored. Then what is the objective the standard that separates rap music? That's what I want to know. Things that are civilization destroying that subject country music's done a lot of damage. Country music what? has advocated drinking. It's advocated separation. Not advocated, but delved into the topics of family separation, all sorts of destructive no, topics. No, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find rap lyrics like those in the okay. um, documentary of uh, okay. Lost uh, Children of Rockdale County. But um, to close, um, to talk about how history teaches us the way, um, there are a number of things that show us that the correct response to being colonized or being usurped by alien people who have no right to be there. You have the Grand Inquisition in Spain and the expulsion of Moors between 1609 and 1614, which didn't make any presumptions about so-called human rights. Japan was able to save her identity, her race, and her culture because of the San Felipe incident in 1596, when a Spanish galleon that had, um, uh, had been hit by a typhoon um, had to make an emergency mooring in Japan, and a Japanese statesman talked with the captain of the vessel, asking him about the Spanish Empire, 
And he said that we use uh, Christianity as sort of like a fifth column for peoples that we have targeted for colonialism and imperialism. And um, I have to write this name as well. Toyotomi Hideyoshi, the Japanese warlord. We got to wrap this up, man. What, what, we got to make the final point here. He expelled all Christians and he crucified 26 to make an example of them. Japan was able to save her culture and identity through brutality and didn't wind up like the Philippines and didn't wind up like island nations that Britain, like Tahiti, for example, colonized by just letting the Royal Navy, for example, having its way with their women. There is a contrast you can see in history. Thank you for the call, Richard. Good evening. I got to be honest, that's completely incoherent to me. I have no idea what he's talking about. I don't think he's wrong about a lot of things. It's just this like spitting facts approach. There's, there's no. You probably hate his approach more than you hate his argument. No, I, I can't find any consistent logic to it. I can't find any objective standard to it. Well, maybe he was saying there's a, a there's a greater moral truth to Christianity than that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. What would the greater moral you know, truth be? Well, th- there are truths in, in Christianity about the value of human life. We talk about that a lot, uh, sure. about uh, degrading your immortal soul and how we should be living life in the image of God. Like there are truths outside of Jesus being the son of God. However, if you don't believe that Jesus is the son of God, then you're not Christian, right? So I kind of, I see where he's coming from. I don't disagree with everything he's saying. My my problem is for the accusation of being uncharitable, I've been nothing but charitable to Richard Parker. Richard Parker has had more time in the show than probably any caller. And consistently, I feel like it's a dig at me. I'm going to call in and thank Blonde. But no, I, it's not I that remember I'm, what I said. It's not that I'm owed a thank you, okay? I appreciate everybody in the audience. But I, I, there's a subtle dig there to me. Like, oh, no, I know. I'm, I know I'm the villain here or something like that. No, man. You have had plenty you are of time famously really mean though. to talk on this show. I just, I hate the implication that somehow I have treated him unfairly when I haven't. It's just, this got, this all got too personal. Anyway, I get his visceral on. reaction though. I saw the, those Mitzi videos and I was like, we need to get this African guy out of every Western nation, send him back to where, to whence he came. Now I'm so I, mad. I am not denying that there are certain trends that exist. I will say that particular guy, he is on one end of a spectrum. That is totally. a, un, that is a unique dude. If that happened in America, he would have gotten shot. He probably, he would be dead by now. I would assume. Yeah, for sure. As he should be. I mean, you're breaking into people's houses. What are you doing, bro? Tom, are you there? Yes. Uh, first off, uh, Danger Spaces asked me to relay to the other Philip who is in the list, um, but he's not in any of the call-in waiting rooms. So if he wants to get on, he needs to get into one of the call, call-in waiting rooms. Ah, okay. The PSA, to, well, not PSA, direct message to Philip. Got to get in the, the waiting other room. Philip. If, yeah, the, the other, other Philip. The other Philip, yeah. Literally. Anyway, uh, what's okay. on your mind, man? Uh, um, I was listening to one of my favorite uh, shows the other the other day, and it's kind of nice. You know, he's got a nice audience, but some people, some of the members of his audience, it, it's like they're trying to get him canceled. 
You know, they try to make Who? them say say things that are going to get them banned for a week, or or they'll try to sneak in some some quote unquote dirty words or something. It's like, why do people do stuff like that? Uh, wait, wait, wait. You think there are sabotage efforts in what, like the chat or something? No, not necessarily. I don't know. It seems more like a. I don't know, adolescent sort of cutesy, uh-huh. ooh, let's let's see if we can make him say a dirty word or something like that. Or or let's let's tread close to the edge of of uh, dangerous territory, oh, you know. Like, uh, Wait, what are like, you talking is he like, talking about super chatters? Super chats from Nick Kerr, things like that. Oh, oh yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, that kind of stuff. I, I mean it's just a trolley spirit. I like it. Are you? I, I can't uh, tell if you're I, talking I, about our channel or you're talking about just channels. Generally. Oh no, no, I, I would. Okay. Nothing like that would ever happen on your channel. Well, <laughs> okay, now I can pick up on the sarcasm. No, if you're asking me, do I think um, people are trying to sabotage us by doing that? I don't. I don't think so at all. Do you? Do you theorize that? that? I don't really think it's. Very, I don't think they're trying to sabotage you, but they're. I don't know. They're. I think they're playing a little fast and loose or maybe a little bit too close to the edge sometimes yeah i don't know i think it's kind of endearing like we're all in on a joke together you know except for you and i i, I agree <laughs> but that's that's as, the as fun of as... the of the interactivity too is like trying to get something not just past youtube but past us there's a game in that and i get uh... i i get if you're on the other side of it why that's funny to watch um it's tougher from this side of it I don't know. I mean, it's not like. I guess nobody really loves being the butt of a joke, but as far as as far as jokes go, that's not the worst to be the butt of. That's a weird way to phrase it. But you get what I'm saying. Like, even if we read, if we accidentally read Nick Kerr too fast. Uh, that's embarrassing, but it's still fun. There's still a fun element to it, you know? Well, yeah, as long as you don't get canceled. Well, yeah. somehow we've evaded. There's always that risk, though. I mean, look at all the stuff I say. He still managed to not get canceled. <laughs> and this thing about about obsessing about not getting canceled. If if you're too worried about it, then you just never say anything valuable. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, okay, the, the, I think that obviously that is their aim, not just to uh, to censor directly censor and delete the things that you say, but they want that secondary effect of that intimidation. Mm-hmm where you you're too afraid to say it in the first place for fear of getting banned. And I, I mean, I have to, I have to acknowledge that certain topics on YouTube and elsewhere, they have to be danced around for that reason. I don't take enjoyment out of that, but that is the reality that these people create. It sucks. Um, Mm. But what's funny about that form of attempted censorship is it just opens up opportunities that themselves are pretty funny. Uh, I'll give you like, for example, um, the entire term jogger is (laughs) taken out of the Ahmad Arbery context. And it's that happens because they don't want discussions on that topic as frank as some people would like to say them. Thus, that sort of quasi slur, whatever you want to call it, emerges. And that's another reason why that censorship effort is ultimately futile. If you say one word is unsayable, there are words around the edges or creative sayings otherwise that express the same idea. But oftentimes they're even more funny because there's a certain creativity in that. I agree. Your wisdom shows through again. (laughs) 
Uh, depends who you ask, but thank you. Uh, oh, anyway. oh, did you see that there's a uh, tropical storm Calvin in the, uh, uh, let's see, I guess it's the Eastern uh, Pacific? Yeah, it's uh, actually powered by Matt's kids' farts. Tropical storm Calvin is in the other room on uh, right on the other side of this wall. It's, it's yeah. dormant right now, but it's still brewing. <laughs> <laughs> might get up to hurricane strength, so watch out. Yep. All right. Um, well, any any last words before we let you go? Uh, no, I've complained enough. I'll, I'll let <laughs> you guys somebody else. Feel Thanks it. for calling in, man. Yeah, it was nice talking with you. You as well. Raggle Fraggle, are you there? Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, buddy. We are all right. What's on your mind? Okay, first off, Blonde. How dare you besmirch my uh, character? I'm wholesome as fuck, I'll have you know. What? I don't even know what you're talking about. Why is everybody calling and talking about this, things that I'm totally... I know exactly what he's talking about. Well, I remember the commentary. Was this in the context... How did it come up? It was a super chat or something? You were not there for the conversation, but somehow right. wholesomeness came up, and you were characterized as not wholesome. Correct. Well, yeah. You're pretty. You're pretty wholesome. And it was just yeah, out of the blue, like wrong. not like that Wrangle Fraggle guy. Exactly. He, there exactly. wasn't there even like a, a point of reference. Maybe it's because he he shoots some things to me on Instagram that are yeah, not anyway. wholesome. Oh, uh, is that why? I don't know. Just some. Mm. No, he's not like sending me pictures of his wiener, but it's like, you know, reels that are not wholesome in interspersed with cute pictures of his family. So that's kind of wholesome. <laughs> well, I'm glad you enjoy him. I do. That Ali Wong one was very funny yeah jay fry does send me some every now and then and i'll forward them to you if i find jay them fry. appropriate for right. your sense of humor anyway <laughs> um so on i forget if it was the last call intro or the one before i think it was the one before you had a question that brought up uh property or ownership of something and somehow the 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 topic went on to um like are you able to own air or airspace or something yeah. like that right yeah okay yeah. okay so i think the problem you kept running into matt is uh, a problem of the definition of property yeah well there are a few one? different theories depends on which uh well i would say which is true but you could say which you accept Okay, so, well, give me, what's your definition of property? I think property, generally speaking, is a natural resource plus labor, to be as simple as See, possible. That is the problem. You're not expressing a definition, in my opinion. I think you're expressing a, uh, not an axiom, but a principle for property rights. Well, that, uh, okay, so what what is the missing ingredient? If not natural resource so, plus labor, what is property? Okay, so natural are natural resources property? Can they be property? When they are when labor? they're combined with your labor, yeah. Okay, okay, well minus the labor. Well, uh they're not your property. I guess maybe we're, that's where we're drawing a distinction here. They are theoretical right. property, but they're not my property until I've applied labor to it. Why? Because the labor component is missing. But that's an expression of property rights. This this is the reason that this is my property is because I can apply my labor to it. That's not a definition of property, though. 
So, I, I, I wouldn't disagree. I wouldn't agree with that distinction. I, I don't. It's it's not a theory of property rights. It's a definition of what property is. The reason no, that the reason it's that you own that property is because you own your labor that's applied to it. That's where the property right comes from. But I don't think that that's a definition of property rights. Well, no. I mean, I own land, even though I don't necessarily apply any labor to it. I have a deed with my name on it that says it's mine. If you right? if you do not if you have a, a plot of land that you abandon mm-hmm. entirely under under the labor theory of property, that is mm-hmm. that is rightfully taken by someone who would apply labor to it. If if you let's say I have some supposedly I have some deed to some land in South America or something like that. And it's just sitting doing nothing and nobody has ever stepped foot on it in 10 years or something. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. In general. And I know the, the, the comeback question is going to be like, well, what, how, how long is too long? Was it five days, five years plus a day or something like that? That's not even the, that's not even the comeback question. My question would be, um, it doesn't matter how long it's been there. If some, if you leave it alone, regardless of how long, if somebody else goes onto that property, are they trespassing on your property or no? Well, it, I, I can't accept that theory of property. Under that theory of property, like we we invaded this entire continent and stole it, which I don't accept. Well, no. That, so here's here is my definition of property uh, that I've kind of uh, arrived at through some logical thinking. Property is or your property is anything that you can ma- maintain possession of. Does that make sense? That you well, but the, then the question is, how do you maintain the possession of it? And that's through some piece of labor. No, no, the labor is just a. I don't know how to what's the the right word for it, but labor is just a a justification of why it's your property. It's not the definition of why it's. Uh, how would you maintain uh, it without labor? Okay, well, let's look at it this way: you have. So the question was, the air that we breathe back and forth in the atmosphere, can it be uh, owned? Can it be property? Well, technically, no, because you don't maintain possession of it. So if you were to, like, bottle it in a in a cylinder or whatever, then, yeah, the cylinder and everything within it is yours. Yeah, I suppose that you Makes put sense. that in your house. You, your house is, is something that you maintain and you defend that particular cylinder from someone trying to take it or something. Yeah. Um Okay. But but I but I guess the point that I'm making is uh that is still the application of your labor. I don't see how you would maintain any piece of property without that application. What uh, give me an example of of what that would be? What maintain property with no labor applied? How what would that look like? Well, the only thing you have to maintain at that point is to make sure nobody takes it from you. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that's that's not really a labor. That's not labor applied to the property per se. It's more of like just preventing other people from uh, preventing uh, outside labor or un um, unpermitted labor. I would say that's the application of labor. I don't understand that distinction there. That's still you applying your work, applying your presence to that particular resource. I kind of have to disagree with you. So, but the the point I'm trying to get to is I was thinking about that for a while and there's something else tied to this that I've been thinking about for a very long time and I've never really been able to quite put my finger on 
the justification of why I think the way I think about this topic. Do you remember a few years ago when Apple was, I forget how they were going about this. They were trying to make it like somehow illegal to jailbreak your iPhone because their justification was they still owned the software on your phone. Yeah, the software. Uh, it was like... after some criminal case where we needed, it was a terrorist attack where we needed to get into the person's iPhone. That's hmm. what um, prompted this. Do you guys remember that? Uh, I remember, yeah, and then Apple successfully did it or something. There was but a it big took forever, and it was a huge thing. And the FBI couldn't do it. I forget right. the exact context. Um, no, yeah, I, I mean, that was that was a that was a separate uh, issue. This was before that. Okay. Okay, and then this came up again recently with John Deere trying to make their software. Um, do something similar to where farmers could not actually like physically work on the equipment that they bought from John Deere or modify it or anything like that. It wouldn't run basically without John Deere's approval. And they got major backlash on this. So my question then is if I buy something from say Ford or Apple or any other company, is it mine now or do they still have ownership of, of something on this? Depends on the terms of the agreement. I mean, it, it, I, it's, okay, if, well, yeah, that's fine. So let's just say outright uh -huh. it's, there's no statement of the software or anything. I'm just buying a physical product with software already on it. Yeah. And I decide to delete everything, all the software, you know, everybody deletes the emissions thing on their diesel vehicles nowadays. Um, I mean, should that be, is that me applying my labor to my property or am I violating their property. Well, there, there's probably some contract component to that is what I'm saying is if there are terms that you've agreed to as far as the operation of that property, that's where that question is answered. Um, but if there, I guess maybe you're asking if there, if there is no stipulation, there's no specific agreement that was reached. It's just, I gave you five bucks for that and you gave me this. Is that kind of what you're thinking? Yeah. Cause that's usually how it goes whenever you buy a truck or a car, you yeah. buy the, uh, the, the, the truck with the software already on it. And then it's yours that all yeah, the tires are severed usually at that point. I guess your question would be if you altered the software or erased the computer on board, is that theft of some kind? And in general, or destruction I, I of, or, de, or in this case, destruction of problems. Yeah. Like vandalism or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, un, I would say it's, it's, it's not unless it's stipulated. Otherwise some term that you agreed to that you're now violating that's the pure principle of the matter. The reality of it and the complication is, yeah, there's like five pages of bullshit that nobody reads and they check the box. And there's all sorts of complications to that now where uh, you could call it cynical. You could call it realistic. These companies are finding ways to maintain ownership of these particular products despite selling them to you. And I think um, I think there is a moral component to that that you're probably getting at that to the extent that that is so cumbersome now that it's not really, if there are piles and piles of pages associated with a basic purchase about who owns what. Yeah. Is that, is that trying to have it, I guess, have your cake and eat it too. You're trying to sell a product, cash in on it, but also maintain ownership of the product while doing it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. I have a, a very, very distinct hatred of this idea that even though I buy something from you, you still, maintain some rights to it. No, I'm, I want to buy it lock, stock and barrel. You get nothing after. 
And I guess companies like Apple or, or others, a lot of them are so powerful that they <laughs> they don't really have to entertain that that sale option. It's like, well, if you don't allow us to maintain a certain level of ownership, it's no deal. We're out. See you later. We'll just make it so integral to your lives that you won't care what's in the terms of service. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway. All right. All right. Well, well thanks kinda, for the thoughts, man. This led to another thing. This led to another thing, but I guess we'll talk about it another time. You thanks guys for have calling a good in. Night. Yeah, you as well. Bye, Regal, bye, Regal. You're very bye. wholesome, by the way. We'll see you later. So wholesome. Thank you. We're due for a you break. You baselessly insult people a lot. Probably should stop doing that. <laughs> I remember. I don't remember if that was a Wednesday or a Sunday, but yeah, it, I remember it was just out of the blue, and I said, that son of a bitch is wholesome. In fact, he has a very nice family. Well, he does. I think you just sent me something on Instagram. <laughs> uh, okay, let me refresh this really quick. Um, lots of questions about just pearly things. Okay. Pearl Davis, I'm so anti-woman that even blonde thinks I'm too extreme. That's quite an accomplishment. I don't think she's too extreme. That's not my problem with her. It's that I think she's inauthentic. And I think that it's a sexual strategy for her to get a boyfriend, even though she um, shouldn't have one because she's fat and unattractive. Fat Uh, and unattractive? How dare you? She's fat? I guess I didn't think she was fat. I mean, she's not like obese, but she's just like like a dumpy giantess. And I think she's dumb too. Like if she was exquisitely intelligent and telling us How dare all the stuff you? that we didn't know, but she's just like shooting entry level red pills out of her giant vagina and acting like she's Karen Strawn or something. That, that's really what pisses me off. Why can't Karen Strawn have just pearly things audience? Girl writes what? You know that chick? Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's, it's like, she's a genius. And then just pearly things who is like barely above average intelligence has this crazy audience because she just gets black people to fight on her show. Like I hate all of this. Like I hate everything about this. All right. It's the entertainment value. This is internet blood sports. That's what it is. You, the thing is, I don't think you can look away because I don't watch her show anymore. Really? I mean, yeah. I, I guess maybe in fairness, maybe it's more the audience bringing her up because she, it seems like we talk about her on almost an episode by episode basis at this point. I don't know. I mean, my brother texted me about her uh, because she got some write-up in like some major publication. And he was, she was all over Daily Mail and stuff like that. And he's like, her life is ruined. I was like, what are you talking about? But she's really primed for like marriage in a way that she never has been before. I think that her life is probably on a trajectory that is much more interesting than it ever would have been. There's major incentives for her to do this. Also, she's going to be rich. Our callers are idiots, says, well, okay, then at least we know your true colors. Now, did we say that? No, it's just oh. uh, trying to get you to say that. That's the gag. Uh, I, I, it, it's possible that I just said that. Some fucking African says the Brits don't like me. And Manhattan, New York, I'm touching blonde <laughs> boobs right now. That is true. Y'all are jealous. Uh, uh, I don't think so. Uh, Bocephus. Matt and Blonde, good news. Six, six Hexen Hammer. Sold all of his figurines. Bad news is I don't have hundreds of dollars for one. Also, Matt had in Montana, get rid of American Library Association. Great win. I did see that. Our, whatever our state library association is, they they backed out of the national organization because the national organization is run by a lesbian communist. <laughs> That's news to me. But our state is out. Uh, Greg Williams, the answer to leftist tyranny is not Christianity. Christians are every bit as anti-freedom. Like Washington said, in every nation, in every age, the priest has been hostile to liberty. Every Christian nation in history 
has been a tyranny. Um, but what kind of tyranny? Like you're going to be under some element of government tyranny. That's just the way that it's going to be, unless you live in a system of anarchy. And then people are just going to be slaves to their vices. And that's a form of tyranny too. So it's like, pick your poison here. You have freedom is also slavery. I know that's literally from 1984. Freedom comes with moral responsibility. And where does that and moral responsibility that people can come clearly from? Clearly not. Yeah. If, yeah. In, in, a, in a secular society, do people have the, um, the moral integrity to be able to live in freedom without yeah. uh, absolute self-destruction? No, um, they don't. I mean, I, I would have to disagree with the premises here. I know based on my lived experience, Greg, I know that's <laughs> face the wall. <laughs> I, well, I, I probably should be um, subjected to a tyranny for saying that. But what I mean is that in my own experience with, with exploring Christianity more and more seriously, are there some who really want to push their ideas on you? Yeah, that it, they do exist. I would say proselytizing is part of the Christian experience. I would say, but I mean the people who want to force their views on me, want to coerce me. That's like less than 10%. I would say 90 plus percent want to convince me and want yeah. me to understand yeah. why I believe. And and they do it in very good faith. Uh, and totally. So, I mean, you can't convince, you can't force somebody to believe something. Yeah. They don't want me to, nobody's pointing a gun at me to say, you must, you will accept Jesus Christ. Totally. They, they yeah. believe it to be the truth and they want me to see why it's the truth. And exactly. that's been my entire experience. I, I would disagree with the premise too, that every Christian nation has been a tyranny. I would point to our own country, which was predominantly Christian and not a tyranny. I would say in, at least in its early phases. There are major tyrannical elements uh, to our country that are manifestations of secularism. A hundred percent. Yeah. I would agree so, I with mean, that in full. It's a bit of a chicken or the egg thing, but like I, I fail to see that there's a causal relationship between Christianity and uh, tyranny. No, I, I actually think the inverse is true. The more secular our country has become, the more it has fallen in love with centralized power and moved away from the original bargain of power between the people, totally. the states and the federal government. That was a, a, a balance against tyranny, a protection against. Right, tyranny. right. And the secularists um, don't understand that Christianity is the true freedom because it frees you from sin. And all secularists want to do is engage in hedonism. Hmm. So it seems like slavery like a prison to them when it's actually freedom i always appreciate the challenging thoughts greg thank you for um for bringing them up because it's fun to obviously i i don't agree here but i like the the bounce back on on thinking about why so thank you for that shut up greg bill biz says <laughs> regarding you, ben and jerry's advocacy of returning tribal lands aren't they both tribe members Ooh. to what tribe do you do you mean I, they're both native americans right <laughs> They're both uh, Cherokee Indians. I thought it was Cherry Garcia. Uh huh. That wasn't very good. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Lunachick, yeah. please clip the cat pervert soundbite from the video currently trending on Twitter. I know you'll find a use for it someday. What? I don't know that one, but I guess I could go find it. The band on Twitter still. All right, we're good. Oh, hold on. I'm trying to think Oof. of a trail of tears, Ben and Jerry's pun. Can you complete that for me? Yikes. I find that culturally insensitive. I mean, it, it, that would be their ice cream flavor trail of what? Trail mix of tears. That's close. Yeah, we could go okay. with that. No one will ever top. Can I say this on the Wednesday show? No. Okay. Yes. Come on. Um, oh, the best theoretical Ben and Jerry's flavor was Joseph Rosenbaum's fruit me N word in reference to. Shoot me. 
shoot me, which he was saying to people in Kenosha. Fruit <laughs> me, Joseph before. Rosenbaum's fruit me, mm. N-word, with a soft A. I like it. Greatest joke Ben and Jerry's flavor ever created. I would buy it. Uh, anyway, we'll come back to your chats at the top. Um, of the I'll have to just circle back with you. Thank you, guys. Now Let's you got talk it. to, is it just N? And ellipses? What am I dealing with here? New Travis, probably. Oh, why is it? Uh, it it's not filling in your name for me. Do I need to expand something in my window? It just says N. You're just N. <coughs> the, the big N with a hard R. Yeah, I guess so. Sorry about that. But uh, what's on your mind? A uh, bunch of stuff. Let's see. I'm trying to figure out how to distill this down. So I'll give you guys a couple options. Um, okay. One is friendships. One is... Um, expatriation we'll start there uh okay i i'm gonna go with expatriation and skag's gonna go with friendship right is that how this is gonna go they're two distinct topics you're saying and then we have a choice between the two yeah they they, they coalesce into one but we'll see if we can round it all out in uh the two minutes. uh sure friendship is this new Tratus? this is new Tratus. So. oh okay i just That's can't read his name for some reason yeah, when you've when you've heard the um the email questions from expatriate, that's been me as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I am I'm in fact a white a white American from the from the Yankee realm. You get um, out of here. Considering moving to Mexico, um, at oh. least to check it out. So. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so there's different things about the country going going poorly. Wanting to have been able to fight for it, um, but kind of having that desire to fight for it, kind of. <clears throat> chipped away mm. by like uh, losing losing faith in the country um the uh, friend aspect of it is I, i've a i'm lucky to have a really strong group of friends that i've known from like very early on and you know groups some from high school that you know now talk to my college friends and we meet up and we have this big uh camping trip every year and uh in the course of that camping trip i like talk with like seven or eight of them and um just reflecting back on that, like three of the people, I've only known three people, close friends of mine that got married. Um, one of them is divorced. Uh, the other one is like only got married because he like some message from God essentially was like, boom, like here's the perfect woman at the perfect time. Um, and then the other one is like in this weird like open marriage thing where he's just like, nope, they're, they're nope. basically separated. Yeah. Um, and he's like trying to cope with that. So it's just like all That's of us. That's a poor are, sample like, size though. Three people. Seven. Um, yes. Of, of my seven or eight friends, uh, I only know three that are um, even tried marriage. Um, one, two that tried it. Like They all tried it in earnest. Um, one, one, two are essentially divorced. And so we were like, we're talking about marriage and how about marriage is, marriage is like a, a good thing. And it's like none of us really had a good example of it except for this one dude that had a divine intervention from God. Um, and that's going pretty well. He's got four kids, like more power to him. But like none of us really have houses. Uh, we're all like late 20s. Um, they're all pretty smart. I mean, I, I can play one on television enough to have smart friends. And um, it's just weird, like, uh, how it's not going super well for us. Um, despite, you know, competency and, and endurance and, mm. and good, good inferences. Um, the guy in particular got divorced. He ended up going to Mexico for six months when he realized that it would cost more to heat his house in a cheap house in, like, northern Maine than it would be to just, like, rent a villa on the beach in Mexico. And um, how safe is it? How talking about, am I? Am I yeah. too afraid of Mexico? Is it not that? Like, yeah, but if you're like a bad? single man that doesn't have children, who cares that much about your personal safety? Well, I still no care. Also I mean, that. I do care. I don't. Want to, 
I don't want to like uh, jaywalk in front of the cartel car and uh, have them enact their yeah, vengeance like, upon me. If you die, so it matters less. Versus they're yeah. actually directly inside. They're well, basically a quasi-government. It matters. Um, they're basically but, a quasi-government. Yeah. Okay. So, sorry. Go ahead. They're, they're basically a quasi-government. Um, they're actually incentivized to keep things very, uh, very safe for tourists, especially Western tourists in like the, um, the tourist areas of Mexico. Three, they're mostly in operation around the border. Um, the shit they do, they do with drugs is to provide um, unhealthy Americans uh, with their unhealthy drug habits. Um, so a lot of the bad shit that happens with the cartels happens because of the drug. Trade Are you saying the cartels have been uh, have been portrayed unfairly? Is that what you're saying? I'm saying that uh, I don't have much of an opinion about the cartels, but from what I've heard from my friend that's lived there, they won't fuck with you unless you mess with them and are into bad stuff. And they actually mm-hmm. have an incentive to uh, keep the places, um, you know, clear of clear of crime and not murder, uh, not murder or. I could believe there's some some truth to that. I guess my worry, though, would be how do I know if I'm accidentally messing with them or not? You just don't just don't get into hard drugs over there or like. All right. Fair enough. I can I can do that. That won't be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it seems seems doable. Um, But yeah, uh, a lot of the stuff that happens in Mexico apparently is like misinterpretations, like they'll have blockades or whatever, but it's not. they're not violent. They're just like people asking for funding for the road. Um, and people just get worked up because they don't know what's going on. But anyway, um, yeah. So he, he just describes Mexico as like a very, like there, there are kids everywhere. It's like most everyone, most everyone's under 35. Um, everyone's happy. They're like, they have community, a sense of regionalism. Um, Can't you move to a white of, country uh, though? You're going to be a visible racial what, minority. What, what country? I don't know. Yeah, Poland, it be. Poland it, wouldn't be bad, but the, Cost living higher. I I hear what you're saying. I don't care if you sell out America, but this thing of like moving to a non-white country just doesn't doesn't jive with me. It's like, isn't there? What's your racial background? (laughs) Wasp. I'm I'm like 1700s off the ship. Yeah, but you know, (laughs) Dutch, German. What are we talking? German English. I've never heard off the ship to mean like the Mayflower, but I yeah, Mayflower shit. Yeah. Way back, seventeen hundreds. He's like, this I mean, country is not what it claims to be. It doesn't. Can't you move to Hungary? <laughs> How is that less feasible than mo- moving to Mexico? Yeah, but but Mexico, it's, it's a cash-based you know, society. It's it's, it's a foreign it's a foreign is, country, and you're going to be a visible minority. Yeah, but they're welcoming. They're happy. They're they're they're, they're functioning communities down there, and they're know. happy to be alive. And they have you know, yeah, but they have. But they're Mexican. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you, you know think you think about like, and I I understand this whole like, you move, why don't you move to white country? A lot of the white countries, a lot of the Western countries, are the very sources of all the problems that have happened in America. We're the nexus. We are subject zero, patient zero of like a huge number of all of the bad degen- degenerate, like backwards globalistic shit going on in the entire globe. Like I hear we what you're saying, but you of all of this. Our main to, but to act like like Mexico has no you know major problems. Like it's clearly less safe in most parts of Mexico. If you stay out of the I ghettos in the United States, I think that's I don't know why you true. prioritize safety as, as a 29-year-old uh, able-bodied male. Um, okay, all right. I'm with fine with that. To lose, you know? like, say, like there's, there's so much more to life than safety. Um, well, there are also a lot of is, white but... people in South America, too. Aren't there South, South American countries? Yeah, Argentina that... in particular is, is a potential option. Ugh. English speaking there. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. Maybe, though. I don't know. 
we're kind of getting on a little bit and it's not as targeted as I would have liked it to be, but um, sure. Well, you, you can make yeah. a, a final thought here and we'll, we'll let you go, but I've really wanted and been looking for reasons to stick it out for America, believe in America and want yeah. to fight for America, yeah. but I am not able to find any, um, to my, you know, dissatisfaction. It seems like, you know, there's very little reason to leave. Re- sorry, barely yeah. reason not to leave and very little avenues towards fighting for it. You're, uh, I, I, I'm, I trust that you've put a lot of thought into this and that you're not making a decision like that lightly. And I can uh, respect that. But as someone who has not put serious thoughts to that, it, it does kind of blow my mind to think like, is it possible that the prospect for someone like you, a single man in his late twenties is actually better in some, some part of Mexico than say like rural Midwestern United States? I, I'm not saying yeah. you're wrong. I just, if that's, if that's correct, that is mind blowing to me. No, I that think is, it's um, there. I think, I think we're there and I think it's going to be even worse in the next two years. And, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I did a call, um, I'll try again. I'm trying to speed this up cause I know it's, it's time for me to leave, but I did a call like a, a couple months ago about like the percentages and how I feel like I'm in the like 0.01% of, um, young, able-bodied men that would be able to fight for this if, uh, there was something to fight for, um, that like knows what's going on, would be capable, would be willing. And like, well, it, it, you being me. in that small minority and being unable to convince myself to yeah. stay here and do that, that it, seems like a giant red flag. You know, you tell me if I'm wrong in understanding this, but this it seems like you're a man who's kind of um, who's missing anything for which to fight. That is to say, if you went to Mexico, I, are you saying I don't think you, you would fight for Mexico in the same way either necessarily? Or would you? I'd I don't know. Yeah, I'd like, I think, yeah. Not homeless in the sense that I wouldn't have a, a, a locality to live, but homeless in the sense that I wouldn't have a home to fight for. I wouldn't have a people to right. fight for. Yeah. Uh, but that's just a physical reification of what's already the, the current circumstance. Like, I already mm. don't feel like I have a home here. I already feel like I don't have anything to fight for here. So, like, why not just do it in a cooler place, a lower cost of living where I can scuba dive and make mezcal and, you know, uh, be around people that are actually in a functioning, healthy society with communities. You know? You're making a lot of good points. Yeah. That sucks though, right? Doesn't it suck that it's making that I'm making good points? Like I would love to not be making good points. I would love well, to Well, America's to be toast, like, so you, you know. Be, you I can't convince you otherwise. Next thing. No one can. Like this it, this is a problem. I like, will um well, I'll believe it when I get your postcard from whatever place in Mexico. <laughs> but I will also right. I'll believe it in full when the migration is actually reversed, when uh when we are swimming the Rio Grande to get there. <laughs> then I will buy it as as legit, but you know I I'm sure I'm sure you have found um, something that is a plausible situation for you. So I'm I'm of course like half joking here. I I don't mean to dismiss you know what you think is is best for for your life. Beyond but, my personal uh, case, would you not find this sort of um, if this thing was going to be a, a trend among against the point zero one percent of people that would have been willing to fight for this country mm-hmm. and whatever this like you know we're going to have a, you know, a civil war or we're going to have some sort of secession, like all the secessionable like forces are, are potentially considering expatriation. That's, that's a very worrying trend. And we can't, I, reason I do think that that is, that is, um, um, uh, a shame, frankly. Uh, I don't think it's going to be in the volumes that would make it, that would prohibit the sort of, uh, the sort of fighting force that you're talking about. I just don't think that I don't think the volume of guys considering doing what you're doing is is super high. But that's my guess. Maybe I'm wrong. You could probably tell me if you're connected with people who are considering the same. I would have loved to have found people who were considering um, secessionary action 
Um, let's put it that way. Um, I have not found really many, uh, maybe one um, that I thought was actually serious. And I've been in this community for a long time. Oh, I mean, uh, people who are doing people like men of your demographic or age who are thinking of moving to Mexico. I think that's a very small number. Okay, fair. But I don't I'm just guessing. I've no, I mean I'm I don't have any kind of support for that. I just it's not something I've heard of commonly, that's all. And you are doing the very thing that we criticize uh, in other people like people moving from India. I'm like, "Well, you need to stay and make your homeland better." It's your responsibility. Like whether or not this country has anything to offer you, it is incumbent on you as a fighting age male to try to make this country worth fighting for. Like bitching out and moving to Mexico is kind of a puss move, isn't it? I'm not butching out. I'm not pussing out. My country. Yeah, this is like this is a, this is a like puss move. I don't like what we've become. I understand. I understand where you're coming from, but it is who you are and where you come from, and it is your nation. I don't identify with this nation anymore. And but this is like we should we should definitely pick this up another call. Yeah, I, I and. And we I talk about this one on one too. Like, I, I think this is a really big deal. And it's, of course, know. it's a big deal. Yeah, and I, I understand where you're coming from because I don't identify with this country either. But, like, we don't have birthright passage to our nations of origin. So, this is the best we've got. And so, we've got to figure out how to make it work in this country. It's, it's just a lot to say that, like, young fighting age men, while being hated, have the responsibility to try and, and change their culture that hates them. Um, with no history, uh, I know, from, I know, I know. It's super no, shitty. No it's super shitty. But all all men that are in their given countries, it is incumbent upon them to to do this, regardless of the circumstance. That, so I'm not saying it's fair. That last clause that he have in, and that he has in there, I think, is is probably the most convincing to me. I don't know that I agree necessarily, but when you're right that it's not just a country that's asking you as a young man to make a sacrifice. Which I'm guessing you're the kind of guy that probably would if you were if you were given yeah, such a call. A, but it's yes. it's the combination of you must sacrifice also you're a piece of shit. That's yeah. it's the second part yeah. that really makes it tough. And on that I'm, I, I'm really sympathetic to that. I understand I understand where you're coming from. But it's about creating a life that is worth living. Like it's not impossible for for young men in this country to create a life that's worth fighting for. It's not. Yeah, I th- but I think his point is I can I can create that life somewhere else more realistically. And but I've, he's talking about like going down there and scuba diving and getting drunk. He's not like I'm, I'm gonna drunk. build. About making I'm, it. I'm yeah. gonna build a family. Or like, are you gonna meet be some beers. like Mama Sita and like have nine children with her? What's like? What's your plan here? I don't have a plan. Well, that's uh, that's plan. for next call, I guess. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, thank you for the thoughts and thank you for your uh, your good spirit about it as well. Cheers to you both. Thanks. Okay. God bless. You as well. Okay. Uh, I can't read anyone's names. What? What? <laughs> I don't. Discord is not letting me read people's names. I know your name starts with a T, so we'll have to go for the, from there. It's it's old Teresa. Okay. Yeah, so. I'm. I don't know what's going on. It just gives me T and dot dot dot. That's it. So. <laughs> What Just do you got? Keep the mystery yeah. going. Um, yeah. So, uh, first of all, it sounds like you've been arguing with a lot of the audience today. So, I just so want to argue. I know. <laughs> like, there was that. Can we much. have like a low conflict caller? This is. Maybe this is I can tell you how you should me. run your stream or something. All right. You so. shut your mouth. You get out of here. <laughs> anyway, no, uh, in all seriousness. So. <clears throat> Uh, I kind of want to tread a fine line here, uh, uh, you know. Not uh, I'm not trying to alert any feds or anything. Um, <laughs> Too late for that. Why'd you call in? <laughs> but I was thinking, <clears throat> um, 
so I've, I've heard even uh, conservatives that I would consider like fairly milk toast, right? Talk about the idea of secession, mm-hmm. right? And of course, I know you guys have talked about it quite a bit on the show. So thinking, you know, in the original secession uh, in America, uh, which, you know, we celebrated recently, um, we had a declaration of independence. Mm-hmm. And what would that declaration look like today mm. if, you know, let's say states or somebody decided that they were going to declare their independence from the U.S., you know? So I look through the Declaration of Independence, the list of grievances uh, that are on there. There are some of them that are kind of funny um, that we probably wouldn't think of today, uh, like... Um, this one where it says he's endeavored to prevent the population of these states uh, for that purpose, obstructing the laws of naturalization of foreigners. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. And they're talking about the King, obviously. Right. Uh, Correct. Yeah. And king. so I'm, I'm, that's them saying you have not allowed the states to determine their own immigration policy. Is that a, a basically plain yeah, language reading of that? Others to encourage their migrations hither. So basically saying, you're telling them not to come and not allowing foreigners to be naturalized, which is I'd have to look into the history of that. Cause I, I wonder if that's, um, there are two ways to look at that. One could be like, yes, more foreigners now, which maybe that's what they meant. I don't know. Or it could mean, um, it's just an autonomy type argument. You are telling us what our immigration policy will be right. without allowing right. us the, uh, the authority to determine that for ourselves. Yeah, yeah, and probably a little bit of both. I mean, again, thinking about the state of the colonies, you know, I'm sure they wanted more more manpower, right? Yeah, the there was land. a lot of work to be just done, that's true. People. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that, that was just kind of an interesting one. But there are, there are some here that I think probably apply today. Um, so, for example, this one, it says he has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat oh, yeah. out of their substance. Sounds familiar. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ATF, for example. Yes. Yeah. Out there. Uh, <clears throat> um, and then there's uh, imposing taxes on us without our consent. I mean, you know, there's some debate there uh, that you mm-hmm. might have, but uh, with with the way the the federal government is running the consent things. mechanisms uh, are debatable. The yeah. me- Correct. Right. Um, uh, for depriving us in many cases of the benefit of trial by jury. Um, I just think of the January 6th, uh, you know, yeah. people <laughs> um, plundered our seas, ravaged our coast, burnt our towns and destroyed the lives of our people. Black Lives Matter comes to mind. Um, <laughs> There's some border implications one. there potentially as well. <laughs> and some border implications, um, right? Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, he's excited domestic insurrections amongst us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers and merciless Indian savages. Who's yeah, but in, in this case, the warfare. king was the victim of insurrection. <laughs> right, in our modern, he's in our modern Right. Yeah, yeah, we would be the victims in our modern time. So again, Black Lives Matter, uh, the border kind of runs into well, no, that. I'm saying, I'm say, saying they say that we, uh, is it a word to say we insurrected them? That's what, that's what they think. We insurrected. Well, right. Them. Yes. Cor- yeah. Right. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so basically they're complaining here that the King is saying, Hey, you know, the, the loyalists to the King should rise up in arms against the, um, the, uh, the Americans basically. Um, but yeah, you know, you could kind of flip this around and say, 
you know, the federal government has allowed domestic insurrections among us or has allowed mm. the inhabitants of our frontiers uh, to invade. And it really, I don't know, it just kind of struck me as a lot of the same things that we're complaining about then we could complain about now. Yes. Some of them are different, like naturalization of foreigners, right? Um, but But many of them are the same. And when you think about at least kind of historically what we're told is the reasoning behind much of the uh, Declaration of Independence uh, and independence is, you know, taxation without representation, the Stamp Act, these kinds of things. Um, that from the time that the Stamp Act was uh, started, 1765 until 1776 is only 11 years. And how many years have we dealt with? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, just I enumerated. Mean, the the revolutionary era is is fascinating, and I'm definitely not an expert on the history of all of it, but I I I do look to it for comparison to modern times, not just in terms of the fact pattern, but in terms of the moral components, because I think that in general it was a it was a a, a, a a fight for independence that was handled on morally upstanding terms, generally speaking, right. with the declaration, the way that you're describing and, and all of that. But yeah, you look at the history and we tend to think it's like, oh, you know, we threw some tea in the harbor and then some guys got shot at Lexington and Concord and then we kicked the redcoat asses and it was all over. I mean, you're, you're talking, you're exactly right. There's a period of, of a decade plus when you think about all the factors leading up to it. Um, right. Are are we in some sort of era like that right now where it's kind of a lot of tension brewing, sort of weird flare ups? And I mean, who knows? Are we are we just shy of that type of Lexington and Concord type event that right. formalizes a, a conflict? Right. And then if you can pair what's going on right now uh, or has been going on in uh, France and the insanity over there, not that. You know, this, the summer of love was uh, much different. Only difference is we didn't mobilize national right. forces against it. Um, but yeah, you know, um, and so my thought was, if one was going to secede or separate themselves, then something like a Declaration of Independence would be necessary. And what mm -hmm. would that declaration look like today? And so obviously, I mean, I think... A lot of people don't actually know it's in the Declaration of Independence. A lot of Americans don't. But if you were going to try to um, write something today, I think implicitly most Americans think that the Declaration of Independence is morally just, right? Um, well, well, that is the great disconnect. It's like they they treat this concept of insurrection as inherently wrong or this concept of, I guess they would use the word treason, Government resistance in general, the idea of government resistance is not only built into our system, it is the principle on which our country was founded. That is to say, if the government violates certain moral concepts, the people aren't just right to abolish that government. They have a duty to do it. And you can look right. to the Declaration for that reasoning. We we treat the Declaration like... <laughs> Like it's uh, I mean, we, we give it the respect it deserves, but I think you're exactly right that if you read it with any level of honesty, you will recognize it is it is a document that understands that there are moral principles much higher than the government itself. And the government only exists when properly adhering to those principles. When it right. abandons them, it loses its legitimacy and it's done. It must be done. That's why they fought the war. But somehow right. the declaration is like. 
Uh, somehow the, the, these people who call us insurrectionists hijack the declaration for their own purpose. Like you got Biden quoting the declaration accidentally when talking about the constitution. And it's like, if you read right. that with any level of honesty, you wouldn't say the things you've said about January 6th. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, besides the fact that January 6th was absolutely nothing basically. Um, and they're making out to be much more, uh, but yeah, exactly. I mean, e even if you were to think that January 6th was, you know, something, um, it, I, you know, my thinking is how long, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, personally, FDR was the American dictator. Huh, yeah. um, and so how long have we lived with many of these types of things, allowed them to happen, not just within our lifetimes, whereas the revolutionaries of their era, certainly there were things building up, but they, um, you know, they kind of turned it around pretty quick and said, yeah, this is, we're not going to. Well, it's not just that. Think about all of the things that it does to a man and a society's character when they're so downtrodden for the, we're talking about like over a century at this point. Um, right. we, we aren't made of the same stuff. Men aren't made of the same stuff as they were uh, during the revolutionary period. They, they were hardier. They were more, more motivated. They had a better understanding of the necessity of, of freedom. Like, I want to believe that we have it in us to do this again, but just people being really pissed off, you know, does not a revolution make. Right. There's, we need there's more organization be, here. Yeah, yeah, organization focus right. and moral clarity. And they really had that in that era. They they had right. the moral clarity. That's the key. Like, I, I don't see us doing this as an irreligious right. society. Well, and, and I think, you know, if you look at, uh, writings in newspapers and pamphlets and other things, Thomas Paine, for example, or even Samuel Adams, it, there was a there was an intellectual conversation happening at that time that kind of culminated in the Declaration. And I don't know that that's happening today. So I kind of wonder if something like a declaration was written, if that would inspire people to get serious about about this kind of thing i don't know i mean at the same time it could be looked at as like a manifesto of mm, some sort yeah. and then you know leaked uh, that matt blonde show discord uh, <laughs> but that's the a, a properly written one the declaration even reads like this to some extent it's like yeah it's it's here's the reasons why you are violating certain moral principles we're out okay we're just not doing this right. anymore and the declaration is really just saying hey we had a good run you're not following the rules. See you later. And then they come and get you on that basis. The declaration is not going to this declaration that you're talking about in theory, at least as right. I would conceptualize it is not going to be something that says we're coming for you. So hide in your right. bunkers. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's uh, yeah, yeah. hey, you guys are being uh, jackasses and we'd like not to participate in that anymore. So see you later. We're going away. Yeah. That's what the declaration would say. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Blonde, so maybe anyway. Blonde's declaration would read differently. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah. Catapults uh, and uh, over the border. But yeah, so anyway, you know, if there's anybody inspired out there in the audience or something, uh, I would say go for it. I don't feel like I'm, you know, um, good enough with words to do something like that. Oh, but no, I think you're, fed, fed, you're quite the fed, eloquent fed, man. Fed, I, think fed, fed. I think it's definitely, it seems almost necessary to me or maybe some kind of uh, next step towards moving towards that. Uh, if there can be no reconciliation, you know, so. Yeah. But yeah, oh, there it. can be no reconciliation. Emily Oster. Thank you for the call and the thoughts, man. Appreciate yeah. it very much. Yeah.
Okay, we are due for a break here. We'll have to be quick because I want to leave enough time for our callers in the last segment of calls. I forgot Rumble last time around and our friend Bert over there. So my apology, Bert. But uh, he says, hey, Majagas, Richard is a not nice word, but I agree with him on multiculturalism. Some countries like ours are not culturally based on race or ethnicity. Um, fuck that Canadian and his fucked up pronunciation. Is he is he Canadian? Who? I don't know. Is Richard Canadian? I have no idea. Or maybe he's talking about somebody else. I don't know, actually. Anyway, Bert. uh, Do you guys have any hobbies or collections that eat up money? Silly stuff that costs money and can be addictive, such as Beanie Babies or sneakers, CDs, or other physical media. No, I've really cut down on um, on my fun spending since becoming a dad. I would say... um. I still every once in a while pick up uh I mean it's guns and ammo if I'm buying things uh for fun and I haven't bought a gun. The last gun I bought was the one that I made, the ghost gun that I made because Joe Biden said he was going to ban them. That's the last gun that I put together. And that was a little bit of a, a money suck. Uh before I was a dad, I would put money into my car or you know, I played video games. Um, yeah. snowboarding is always a little costly, that kind of stuff. But I, there's nothing that I'm spending like an obscene amount of money on for pure recreational purposes. How about you? Um, okay. There's this grocery store, uh, this like small whole foods grocery store in quarterly that gives you money back based on how much you spend. And I got $360 back and I was so like, you spend Oh my a lot God, there. I, I must be spending like, 30 grand. 15 grand, 20 grand a year. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Um, and I like, I've broken it down. So organic food is where I spend almost like the vast majority of my money because I really want to make sure that my family's eating organic food with no seed oils. Um, but I spend a lot of money on artisanal cheese. That's not, that's not the worst thing. It's not great though. I'm like, oh, it's goat's cheese. I, I really wanted it. It's from this region in France and it's $19. I'm like, fine, I'll just do it this one. Okay, time. that is that is a little expensive though. $19 cheese. I just love artisanal foreign cheese. I, <laughs> I just love it. I can't stop myself. I spend a lot of money on sparkling water. It's the most uh, goddamn faggy thing you ever seen. All right. Bert says uh, he was talking about fighting for what the country has become. Why fight at all? The fight is supposed to be to... Re- to return to what made the country. Sorry, let me read that again. The fight is supposed to be return to what made the country. What it was before the left infiltrated. So yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe we're conceptualizing it wrong with the, with uh Neutratus was the color, right? Where it's like, mm-hmm. well, are you fighting for this country as it exists now? Which I agree. It's, it's, that's a tough bargain because these people are telling you that you suck and this country I think is in a, a, a rough state currently, or are you fighting for what this country should be and yeah. the principles on which it was founded, which I think are drastically different from the principles on which it exists today. Right. Yeah. Uh, fair clarification. Um, okay. We could, uh, you want to just save the rest for the end of the stream. Sure. I know we didn't get to YouTube and tippy here, but we will get back to you guys um, at the end of the stream and we appreciate your patience. Um, I'll have to just circle back with you. We're good on uh, Odyssey and D Live. Thank you, guys. Uh, next up is the other Philip. So I guess he must have uh, he must have figured it out. Philip, are you there? Yes, sir. How are you? We are well. What's on your mind? Well, uh, I've been listening to or watching quite a few of your videos for the last 
several years. And uh, I know you have a particular interest in early American history, kind of early Republic, maybe even late colonial era. Yeah, is that, sure. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, well, are you familiar with Thomas Jefferson's idea of the ideal society being uh, largely agricultural focused versus industrial focused? Uh, I don't know too much about his writings on that topic, but that that he was a naturalist. Yeah, I mean that sounds that sounds correct or believable. Um, I've I've kind of been sort of trying to get into a bit of a study on um, connecting possibly Jefferson's beliefs about you know the proper, not really proper. That's not the right word, but um, how small farming communities actually have the largest amount of freedom. Like that's where Liberty best dwells is among people who are farmers. Mm. And, um, I, and I was trying to connect that with a movement that kind of popped up in the 1920s and into the great depression is when it sort of boomed called the return to the land movement. And, uh, basically the tenants are that, um, one person in particular, a guy named Ralph Borsodi, wrote a book called This Ugly Civilization. And this book was written in 1929, just before the stock market crashed. And he's ba- his, <laughs> his whole outline was like, if, if people have enough land that they can feed themselves, they can maintain their own property. And he takes it to the next step by saying they can even you know create or make their own clothing. Mm. That they are that will be a society that is independent. And of course, you know, independence and freedom are synonyms. And so I was just kind of um, wondering or interested to see if if you had any idea about, like, do you think that um, there could be some sort of libertarian philosophy that maybe even the libertarian party as a political party could use as a philosophical uh, foundation to to sort of come up with a social order that like the social order is, you know, get your five acres, you know, raise your goats, plant your corn, that sort of thing so that you're so that you're materially independent from your paycheck. You're not dependent yeah. on your paycheck. Yeah, um, I, th- I think when that, that occurs. Uh... I think the philosophy sorry, is probably a natural outgrowth of that, that, um, and maybe it was true. Maybe it was, that, that was a more true concept in the early days of the country. I'm thinking more after the revolutionary war and more into the homesteading time, but with, with government sort of promoting that with giving away land and telling people to head West and settle it, there is a certain philosophy that naturally grows out of that. You must, achieve certain things in the way you're describing it. You're going to have to achieve independence out there or die. Right. And you're going to confront, you're going to be confronted with certain natural truths about the world. And it is the, the the way we've become disconnected from nature. It's just kind of fascinating to think about like the, the whole philosophy of our country is based on the, uh, the observation of nature and what moral truth we can gain from that. That's where we get the concept of natural rights and you get the declaration and the constitution and everything that flows from that. But the whole, the whole experience has been kind of like a refining 
or, or trying to build technology to make our interaction with nature more suitable for our survival. And over time, we've built that into cityscapes that are le- in, w- in many ways less suitable for our survival. There's a weird contradiction there. You get what I'm saying? Like we have yeah. built technology that is anti-nature for the purpose of our own benefit, but it actually ends up being self-defeating. I, I, there's a better way to explain the concept that I'm thinking in my head, but there's a weird paradox or contradiction there. Yeah. I, you know, my, a lot of my curiosity came about, you know, in is out of the question of does more, uh, corporatism, so to speak, create, a a, a, a society that becomes more dependent over time. No, absolutely. Or, of course. Yeah. yeah. Or is it the opposite? Is it just people who become more dependent end up building a more corporatist society? No, because hmm. you, um, you have to have those agrarian skills to, to build the corporatist society to begin with. So yeah. I don't, I don't think that these incapable people could even do that. Yeah, that's a good point. But yeah, I, I, I kind of, sort of wrote up a little something I was thinking about sending it to somebody at the libertarian party as like a, you know, why don't we, instead of being the party that just sits around and says, Hey, we shouldn't do this. We should not do this. We should Hmm. not do that. Well, we kind of promote something that we should actively, you know, positively do in order to, you know, create results naturally in an independent political philosophy. Well, nobody is going to voluntarily, not nobody, but it's going to be uncommon for people to voluntarily move to an agrarian society because it's such a more difficult um, level of living. I mean, it, it enriches your life unmistakably, but but people are going to be made to do this. Like necessity is the mother of invention and no one's going to get on board with like, you should do this because it's good for your soul or good for your family or whatever. People still love their bread and circuses, but if they're made to do it, which they will be, uh, then we won't have to force anybody to do anything. Won't we? Yeah, the the uh, the natural order of the world will uh, will enact that force. But Indeed, I think wise people just prepare with a general level of readiness for that sort of thing, and that's what's so weird. Um, I, I spoke, we spoke about this previously, but even like modern manhood is at some level uh, like it's no longer a necessity. It's a choice that you have to make. It's like life is so easy. The food that we have is just handed to us. We have shelter that keeps us warm or cool, depending on whatever is needed. We have all the devices in the world to look up every piece of knowledge ever known to man. And so if you want to experience manhood, the way nature intended it, which is the forces of nature constantly beating you down, challenging your survival and forcing you to gather resources for your family or else they die. If you want to experience that, you must choose it. In prior generations, that reality was forced upon you. And I think yeah. every man has to make it's just it's it's incumbent on your manhood to at least make some effort to reacquaint yourself with that natural order of the world. Find ways to challenge yourself physically to make sure that you're not a complete slave to the conveniences of the world in the way that you're describing. But I think that you're exactly right, Blonde, that it's that you can tell people you got to choose that for your own good. But at the end of the day, they still have to choose it. And far too few are, are willing to. That's a really difficult choice. to make. I mean, we aren't living those lifestyles, even though we know it's probably what's best. Well, you, you do. You, you take bits and pieces. You know, I'm not going out and like living in the woods for a week straight. 
but I, I do make it a point to challenge myself in physical ways. So I don't become right. a complete, uh, like, you know, I don't become, I don't waste away. You know, I, I think if everybody has a bug I mean, out plan, I think it's, it's a, it's sufficient. And then the real thing about preparing yourself for the collapse society is to mentally prepare yourself. Be like, yeah. this is going to happen. We just don't want to be taken by surprise. I see your point though. You've got, you've got good points. You want to prepare. Like, you want people to be ready. That's kind of you. Well, it's, it's not necessarily that so much uh, as it is. It's, it's not about preparing for a specific event. It's about looking for the outcome that when you are able to provide for yourself, you're just naturally more independent. Yeah. And that's totally, yeah. likely how you're going to end up voting if you were to vote in an election. And so it's, it's really just more not like a, it's not really aimed at like the prepper side of it as it is. It's just kind of aimed at, you know, I just, I have a food garden in my backyard mm -hmm. and, you know, I have a couple goats that provide me milk and, you know, everything it's, it's I have, I it's such an insidious form of control too. that this, uh, what, yeah, we, yeah, th yeah. what we've built, whether maybe to some degree it's the natural progress of technology or maybe it is, uh, evil forces, but the control I'm talking about where you just kind of, uh, you throw someone scraps to keep them alive and sort of make them know, dependent on I the know. scraps. Uh, that is when you can get people dependent on the scraps that you throw them there. A lot of them don't even realize that they are becoming accustomed to that dependency. Whereas if someone points a gun in my face and says, you will do this. I mean, that's not moral, but I know what that is. There's no, you know what it's up. It's not subversive. Yeah. There's no disguise about it. When you're throwing someone scraps, you can disguise it as charitable. You can you can say like, "Well, I'm really helping you out." It, yeah, but the intelligent man realizes that he's he's losing his independence. That's really the problem here: that we've lost our ability to discern what is charity and what is dependence, and that's on us. Yeah, I mean, I've had a couple of conversations with my father-in-law who who you know kind of takes the approach that, well, you know, I I make a certain amount of money and I have enough money to where I can. You know, somebody else can raise the food for me and I just give him what he wants. He gives me what I want. Mm -hmm. Everything's fine. I was like, that's true. But you are still dependent that that person's going to want what it is that you have. Because yeah. if that person doesn't want what it is that you have, well, then all of a sudden you don't have any food. Yeah. That, and right. that's the challenge. It's like, I want to know, obviously, uh, I prefer the convenience of going to the grocery store and saying, I would like to exchange these dollars for that food. Uh, but I just want to know that if that was deleted tomorrow, that I have the capability to go out and secure some natural food source for my family and or grow it ourselves in some sort of garden situation, something like that. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I wanted to call about. I appreciate y'all's time. Interesting course, call. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for calling him. Y'all take care. Bye. You as well. Uh, guess who's up next? It's Kim. Hi, Kim. Hi, girl. Kim. Um, oh, there we go. Yeah. Make sure you can hear me. Yep. Um, so I had two topics, but I think for sake of time, I'll go with one of, I think will be a shorter one, hopefully. Um, I don't know if it was the Sunday show or the last Colin show um, where Blonde had mentioned something about like there being no real trad families. Yeah. I did say that. I know one. I, sh I should back that out. I know one trad family. And it's Brittany and Pettibone's family. <laughs> They're really trad. Yeah. I guess I'm gonna, she like, can't be that trad. She bit. has an online presence. She's eliminated. 
she's different. Anyway, sorry, Kim, go ahead. (laughs) No, that's fine. Um, like one of those reasons why, like, you know, if you're looking through social media, you know, Instagram, whatever, all all these accounts of these homesteaders or trad women, you know, I think it's not an accurate representation. Right. right. What people post on the internet, like these so-called trad women who have social media or like promoting that, I think it's healthy in a sense to promote that because I think there's value to it. And I think we should be encouraging, if it's true, we should be encouraging it, but it's going to be slightly inauthentic by the nature of being on the internet because it's what they want you to see. But I think if you just look around you, um, like I can think of lots of trad families, um, even all like all the home setting and, you know, all of that, they're still stay at home mom, you know, father who provides the family, multiple kids, um, and they're just living life. Yeah, um, that's, and- that's totally true. I'm, I'm not saying that we should abandon this ideal of marital traditionalism. We should always strive for that. But I'm saying it's unrealistic in that people should people should be striving to be trad adjacent, you know? They should be really trying to live this life, but imperfectly. Like none of us are going to achieve it in the ways that they were able to in in the 1890s. And it's not just women that are online. It's like almost every traditional couple that I know, uh, you know, the woman is making a substantial amount of income. I got an, a lot of emails about this. Like, well, it's not un- it's not a lack of traditionalism if the woman is um, bringing in income, but but it it totally is. I mean, there there was, was it, a is it though. <laughs> I don't know. I, th- I I think that it is because there was a division of labor that um, included men being sole providers. And like when I think of traditionalism and I think of it in the staunchest sense, the man should be making all the money and the woman should be doing all of the childcare. Uh, and I think yes, that in the don't. in the most traditional sense, I think that that is is generally true but almost every home that i can think of even the traditional ones there is some element of two income parenting and that might just be an economic reality but that, that's what i'm saying about us being trad adjacents there are there are realities of the world that we live in that make traditionalism in the in the truest sense virtually impossible does the income matter like based on how it's earned so it's very i think it's very different for a woman to be bringing income when she's working full-time kids are in daycare like that's shouldn't happen that's totally different yeah like like i work 12 hours a week and it works for my family because i pay for everything involving our children so like i I pay for all the kids stuff and like that's just my contribution to the household and i think about it like this takes financial pressure off of my husband and so i can contribute to a family to the family in a certain way it doesn't make me feel like i'm failing at being trad because I feel like I'm, I'm making life easier for my husband. And you're working from home. Like it's not, and I'm it's from not home, yeah. your family in the same way. You're still spending time with your daughter. Right. Right. And I think, you know, if we think of, you know, like the Proverbs 31 woman as like the traditional, like trad woman, like that's, you know, maybe, maybe it's not trad, but like, that's like, you know, as Christians, like we're told to like aspire to be like her, like mm-hmm. looking in that chapter, um, like Proverbs 31, verse 24, she makes, maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth um, girls unto the merchant. Like she's selling, she's trading, she's working the land, she's sewing. Like all of that, I think if it's something that you're producing in your home, 
whether mm -hmm. it's like food you make. I know a family, she has like a bakery out of her kitchen. Like right. it's certified, it's inspected, but it's in her kitchen. And so right. she'll wake up at four o'clock in the morning and she'll Ooh. make whatever desserts she does in the morning. She'll, and she's still at home with her kids. Right. Um, her husband's a farmer. Like it's still very wholesome. It's still very traditional. She's no, totally, totally. I agree. Um, I mean, of so I think, course, there's a huge difference between a woman that's working in the home and a, wo a woman that's working outside of the home. Yeah. So I don't think we should have that as like a standard for not being tratter or. Well, it's know, just being... not realistic. I mean, and if it's going to destroy your marriage and put all this pressure on your marriage, like it's nearly impossible to survive on a single income these days. So it's like the question <laughs> of what I mean, it's it's really difficult. So the question of whether or not this is trad is kind of irrelevant right it, it you have to do whatever is going to reduce your chance of divorce the most and if that means that, that you're you're responsible for bringing in some income then like that's just the way it is i'm pretty sure <clears throat> i recall you saying that you just need to land uh, lower your standard of living yeah that really <laughs> helps yeah 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 but i mean I, I, it's just this is just what i see like i don't know almost any well that's not true uh, most of the women that i know have some from home hustle like side hustle the, the stay-at-home moms that i know i think like every single one so it's not the like they're moms not working. i know like they also have, like stupid like mlm like side business that's pointless so basically what what is working. mlm <laughs> like multi-level marketing oh yeah, yeah yeah like this pyramid scheme stuff like it's pointless but oh, was that like the knife sale stuff kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's like all these like female brands and stuff but Oh, they hire out yeah. people to do their their marketing like part time or something. Uh, kind of. Yeah, they so like rope you into selling like a selling scheme. Yeah. yeah. So like you know like think of like in the back of the day it was like Tupperware or something. Um, and now it's like makeup or like purses or whatever. Like they have all sorts of ones. Hmm. Fake eyelashes. That's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, you're right though. I I have definitely advocated for people lowering their standard of living, and I think that that is. A huge help like a lot of the people that i know they just expect too much financially out of their husbands like they want vacations and a super nice house and they don't want to contribute financially at all it's like if you can give up all of these things um give up having a new car give up living in a nice house like you really can't accomplish a lot on a single income you can but that's really yeah, not what i'm seeing and none of that's going to replace the joy of your children like with you being there oh my god spend the afternoon with my nephews today and like they don't need fancy stuff like yeah like two sticks and we're sword fighting awesome like yeah. i know perfectly yeah. happy that's <laughs> <laughs> true All yeah kids really don't know what's going on yep yeah well so, thank you for, the, for your time the call as always Thanks, kim. kim appreciate it and have a great night yeah bye, -bye. Thank you as well on that last point man i got I can tell you, I got way too much plastic crap out there in that living room. We got cars, we got dinosaurs, we got, you know, Dude. things with fancy sounds and fancy lights. And uh, well, I want my son to have a fun time. But, well, yeah, but a lot of it we've purchased, obviously. And uh, and I appreciate gifts from people who have decided to do that. But um, the point is absolutely correct that at the end of the day, it, it, most of his preferences are like a, a little shovel garden tool in the backyard and the dirt, you know, yeah, just totally. uh, stuff like that. Um, he, 
there, you, you can accomplish a lot by being financially disciplined. Um, it just, the reality is, I think you're talking about, it's like we, we live in a society in which men have to compete, not just have to compete with women for all of these jobs, but in many, many cases are disadvantaged uh, in the hiring process. If there's a woman with comparable qualifications, that chick is getting hired. That's just the nature of most employment arrangements, at least with big businesses these days, the big corporations. Um, yeah, that's true. You're, you're, you're forcing men and women to compete. Uh, men are at a disadvantage in a lot of like desk job stuff, at least maybe not manual labor, but a lot of desk job stuff. And, uh, and, and that's, a, it's, it's a sad irony because it, it leads to unhappiness on both parties. Like men are going to be less happy because it's tougher for them to provide for their families in a way that they find satisfactory. And women uh, are going to realize that they've been propagandized into believing that they're going to find satisfaction at the office with some career leadership position. Uh, no, no, they're going to wake up one day and uh, wish that they were at home to make cooking dinner for their husband who their earns husband, more money because yeah. they're not in the workforce. That's the reality of the entire situation. I'm not I'm not trying to say but this is what women wanted, the kitchen. right? They want to be. They, they find satisfaction. The kitchen thing is kind of a meme, but women find satisfaction in in providing a household for the family in maintaining that household sort of thing. That's why this Laura Loomer take was so mind blowing. Oh God, I, I don't even have time to talk about. Well, so, thanks a lot. I'm not even on Twitter anymore, and I spent like an hour. I think it was on Sunday when I should have been preparing the show. Yeah. I'm just like reading this fight between Ali Stuckey and Laura Loomer. <laughs> Let me. It's, okay, now that I I brought it up, I can't leave the audience hanging and. Um, Zola, if you can hear me, we'll take Zola's call before we're finished up. But let me clue in the audience if they missed. So there's Laura Loomer. I'm not going to explain who Laura Loomer is if you don't know. Go look her up. But most people know who she is. She is um, obviously a big, big Trump fan. And she goes after Ron DeSantis's wife frequently. For like no reason. On right. what I would consider to be preposterous terms. I'm not saying Ron DeSantis can't be criticized. I think a lot of people have valid criticisms of Ron DeSantis. She goes after who she calls Jill DeSantis instead of Casey DeSantis. Originally, I thought it was a joke referencing Jill Biden. No, Casey DeSantis's first name is legally, in fact, Jill. She goes by her middle name, Casey. And Laura Loomer thinks this is some revelation, some fraud yeah. that the DeSantis's have been perpetuating for years to trick everyone into believing that her name is, in fact, Casey, when that's her her middle name. And this is some scandal that she's uncovered. So Laura Loomer will criticize Jill DeSantis for things like wearing high heels on grass, because that shows that she's disconnected from voters because reasons. Um, then uh, Casey DeSantis or Jill DeSantis made some commentary about how her, that Ron and, and Casey's kids, they're young. And she made some joke about how they're really roughing up, the governor's mansion in Florida because they have three young kids running around with crayons on the walls or whatever else that kids do. And most people look at that and see like, yeah, well, kids are tough to wrangle. I get it. Laura Loomer posts that clip and says, um, how can the DeSantis's be trusted to run the country if they can't even run their own home? And everyone else responded, well, She's talking about this sort of innocent messes that kids make, and everyone knows that. Have you ever handled this? Is a kid such a, like a take from a childless woman that does not understand what it's like. All of that to have a kid leads oh, to the, the God's sakes. All of that leads to the what I send you because this is the most preposterous thing I've ever read. Well, maybe not the most, but but it's just a preposterous, propagandized take on motherhood. Uh, 
because everybody's coming back at Laura Loomer and saying, you clearly don't understand what taking care of kids is, which yeah. would appear true. She says, I could have kids anytime I want in my current life situation. I could also be married tomorrow if I woke up tomorrow and decided I wanted to be. You don't know my life. I'm enjoying leaving a legacy and creating something of value that can be remembered by others someday instead of rushing into a marriage and pregnancy to live a mediocre life void of accomplishment only to be stuck raising kids who share the DNA of someone I will only grow to resent if I get divorced someday. Nobody wants the baggage of being with someone who has a baby daddy or baby mama drama. I get it. Choose wisely. I'll grant that point. But okay, the idea that you're building a legacy for which you will be remembered that is more important than motherhood, Dude. you're delusional. You're delusional. Delusions of grandeur. <laughs> okay, careful. <laughs> that was so good. Okay. I was so proud of myself. No, but that's seriously delusional. Like most people that think about their legacy, the, having children is the only way for people that are average and above average. To leave, to leave a meaningful legacy. Like think about the people that legitimately leave legacies in the history of mankind. They are truly formative, intellectual, fundamental. It's and just almost crazy to exclusively me that, like, men, by the way. And almost, yeah, the, the fact that like Laura Loomer thinks that she's she's leaving a meaningful legacy by whatever fucking, you know, stunt she's pulling these days, whatever face she's buying. It's, it's so <laughs> preposterous. It's well, like, that, yeah. She needs to seriously reconsider the world that she's going to leave behind. I mean, I don't, I'm actually a proponent for her procreating because I don't think she'd be a good mom. Mm. She doesn't seem maternal. She seems like she's insane. Well, you, you, you made the point that I I should repeat and explain. Um, Yes. On the, on the Jill DeSantis point, tell us more about deception. Rearranged face lady. I want to hear about how deception is wrong. You shouldn't do it. She's totally unhinged and uh, narcissistic. Anyway. And this idea that you're like, that you would just have resentments based on uh, living with a man that's given you children is like, well, she's rendered herself unmarriageable. This Mm -hmm. idea like she could get married and have kids tomorrow. Bitch, could you? Could you you really? You should choose wisely, but I'll tell you, um, I've... I loved my uh, my wife before. I love my wife more because she's the mother of my son and the mother of my next child. those are inseparable things. The idea of yeah. hating her, I suppose we could or have some kind of, her. we could have some kind of dispute. I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible, but she will forever be the mother of my son and the mother of whatever children we right. have. And to that extent, there's to resent her would be to resent my children in some way. So it will never be that, that full level of, of hate because they're inseparable. They're inseparably connected. Yeah, anyway. it was just such a dumb take. Like, even for her, I was like, wow. It doesn't matter. I mean, she, she's rendered herself unmarriageable. So, like, what's her plan now? Any good man would read that and be like, okay, 30-year-old weird face lady, <laughs> Mrs. Potato Head face lady. Like, I'm out on this one. Uh, I, and uh, Anyway, I got to get to Zola. I don't, I don't want to leave him hanging any longer. But I, obviously, uh, that was a topic. We have that, more callers. <laughs> I know, I, but I, <laughs> I you we brought it up, so I had forever. to finish it up. Zola, we apologize for making you wait, but we had, to, we had a story to tell. We had to talk about Laura Loomer. Don't you know? What? Hello? Why would you waste time talking about Laura Loomer? Uh, it's hard uh, to she explain. She had a really dumb take. It, it's a long. It was a great story, I assure you. No, that's it. typical of women, I guess. Um, <laughs> speaking about women, uh, Blonde, I feel kind of disturbed about your uh, distaste for trad lifestyle. Mm. I don't have a distaste for trad lifestyle. I'm just saying that 
it's not really, we should all strive for it, but know that it's in many ways unachievable in modern society. So like, what can we realistically achieve then? I think that you can have a multiple kids with 80% of the family income coming from the man. I think he's going to have to pitch in on some childcare every once in a while, especially if the woman's bringing in some income. Um, I think an online presence, if the woman is bringing in money is, is probably going to have to factor in. Uh, that's pretty much it actually. Yeah. But I think most other things are, are doable. Yeah. Okay. So like, how is a mom supposed to be like, how is she supposed to have kids if she has a shitty job only bringing in 20% of the income i just i don't know I, I just don't get that part wait how is she supposed to be no i'm talking about establishing this kind of job like while or after you have children oh okay i mean a man so shouldn't you're... be looking at women and being like oh well how much cash are they gonna earn for the family but like it's nice for the man if the woman can bring in some kind of some some kind of income it's not ideal. This is nobody wants this. Okay. But it's so you're it's it's realistic. I think yeah, it's okay. I think it's realistic, but it's not ideal. I mean, in a perfect world, I wouldn't work. Yeah, but, but in do. a perfect world, you would have more than two kids, though. Eh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Kids aren't, aren't dying at the rate that they used to. I mean, people should have the number of children that they think they can invest like the maximum amount of themselves in them. I know people that have 11 children and it's just a small business where the older children raise the younger ones. Like, is that even fair yeah, to your kids? I think so. Like, uh, they just... They just gain more skills. Won't they just be better parents? I don't know. They're their I have some friends growing up with, with five plus siblings and none of them ended up having kids because they resented having to take care of their younger siblings. So like, it's a lot to put on a child to be like, you're 11, you're going to raise these babies. A woman only has so much time. If she has 11 kids, how much is she actually investing in each child? We're not, we don't have this rate of like, okay, like, Four of your 11 children are going to die. Also, you have a small working farm, so you need the labor. So I think in modern, yeah, but... in modern ages, people should be having between like two and five children. I think it's appropriate. I think that after you have five or six kids, like you're really pushing it with the amount of time that you can devote to your children. Yeah, but like that's in an ideal, you know, homogenous state, right? We're in a we're in a child arm race right now that we're currently losing. How many kids do you have? I have I have no kids. I'm not even married. That's that's kind of that's kind of my second topic. I I had to I have to push back on your on your dating comments, blonde. You're a you're a white blonde woman. You kind of get a pick of the litter here. Well, what's your deal? I'm uh I'm I'm doing my best. I don't know. It's what are your specs here? What's your height, weight, race, income? I'm like, well, I'm white and I'm like 6'2 and I make like 80K. Yeah. What, what's your problem? Why are you, are you failing in the dating market? Why? I don't know. Like, 
How I just, old are you? Uh, I'm like I'm 24. Okay. Are you what? What kind of woman are you meeting? Like, uh, just trad women. I mean, I live in I live in Utah, and they're all they're are mostly virgins. Yeah. And you're still no, having I'm, problems. Yeah. Hmm. That's shocking to me, but yeah, I'm also <laughs> surprised. It's a, uh, it's statistically, it's, it's not a, it's not an anomaly anymore. I mean, the average age people are getting married at is in their thirties. So yeah. Like 30 now. Yeah. That's the average. Like yeah. that's. So people are like getting married. What late, late thirties. No, I mean, I, I think the average age of marriage for a woman right now is 28. And then the average age of first child is 30, which of course is too old. Um, but I, I, okay, you're doing something wrong if you're 6'2 and 24 and making 80 grand a year and you're striking out. Like something is weird so, about you. Chicks are picking up on some weird thing that you got to figure out and <laughs> fix. It's, uh, it's, it's all my pent up racism and sexism. <laughs> you think that's really it? Because I've always found that attractive know. in men. I can't be the only one. I don't know. Um, you, uh, I, you... I don't know. Can I ask when you when you date, are you um, you are you going to the serious topics right away? Are you trying to find the right woman who's on board with with your your goals or are you? I guess how quickly do you get to to business with uh, with prospects? And I mean, like the literal business of it. I'm not saying some metaphor for. You know, uh, bad, bad behavior. Yeah. No, we don't we don't have sex here until we get married. Oh. Um. What well, you're a Catholic? No, that's good. I'm. I'm not saying like oh, no. Okay. I'm that's saying oh, like well, good. Okay. That's cute. Um. I like well. I I guess like I. I bring up like my goals. Mm-hmm. Like I want a stay at home mom, and I want to have you know like a a big family. Mm-hmm. And. I don't know. I just like can't really get past that like first, second date hill, I guess. Hmm. Are you meeting girls that are in college? It's like a good mix. Well, I by mean, the time look, they're in college, look, they're probably already ruined unless they're going to Brigham Young. Yeah, no, they're they're pretty good. They're pretty good around here. I mean, you know, not everybody's perfect. I, like that's that's another deal breaker, too. But. I'm sure they're better that. than they than we were at Mizzou, though. <laughs> Brigham Young, yeah, I'd say so. I don't know. Are they are you getting any feedback? Honestly, in these situations, if you just ask women, they'll tell you. You sometimes they'll tell you the truth about like why it's not working out. Yeah. Has anybody? Have you asked anybody? Have you been like, bitch? I mean, not like that, but you know, <laughs> what's going on? Like, why? Why is this not jiving with you? Are we moving too fast? Did like my stay-at-home mom thing scare you? Are you waiting to get married? Because I don't think a lot of Mormon women are like, I really want to be thirty by the time I get married. Oh yeah, no, no, like you're, you're right about that. It's I actually have I I have done that. I'm like, what's what's up? Like, what what did you not like? And it's just never they're they're never brave enough to you know to, to give me like a like a good answer. I, what do they say? Yeah, I've never found success with that. Uh, Seriously? Trying to add, yeah, when you try to be direct about why something, like why a relationship didn't work, I've found women to 
flee that situation. Hmm. We we live in a culture where I don't know has become this like central word that we use. We really just use a, every time you use I don't know, it means I don't want to tell you the truth because I'm avoiding conflict. Okay, can you discover this through self-analysis? Is this is this a you thing or is this a them thing? I mean, like, well, are you supposed to just like be head over heels for every girl you see? Like, no, I, I no. mean, I lose interest. They lose interest. It's just, I don't know. Like, I I go to church. I have like a couple of dating apps. I I try what kind to of effort. Are you putting in after a quality first date? quality first date um i mean like keep up a good conversation and usually set up a usually set up another date either at the end of the date or pretty soon afterwards okay okay so it sounds like you're covering your bases and then things are just fizzling out yeah yeah either i'm not interested anymore i'm not familiar with this world of dating where intense sexual desire isn't central to the dating philosophy. So I don't even know if I can opine on this gag. Do can you, I, I, I don't, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, I, my, my advice is always be as direct as possible and be intentional with every date until you find the right one. So even if women, maybe, maybe some women, maybe you're being too direct for some women. Maybe that's a problem. Maybe your goals don't align with theirs, but I wouldn't. Seriously. I was going to tell him he's not being direct enough. Well, I, but I don't know. I'd have to see what his date approach is like, but I even if that is the problem for some of these women, I would never discourage a man from continuing that. Um, That's true. That approach. Yeah. Things got so much better for me when I started being when I started taking a leadership role, being assertive, and getting to the business end of it immediately, and saying, "This is what I'm looking for. Are you in or are you out?" He really means the business end. And then, <laughs> and then being okay with like totally fine with it if if knowing that I'm not supposed to be with that person if they don't have the right response to that yeah, to that yeah, yeah. prompt. So it's it's just what, Yeah, go ahead. Do you do this on the first day? What, what like yeah, what's your time right, frame? Literally right away. Literally right away. Okay. Um I, I mean maybe maybe you sit down and you have some small chat at the table if you're in a dinner environment or something. It doesn't have to be like the second that that you start talking. But if you don't have any discussion on what your goals in life are and what you're trying to achieve through this, this dating that you're doing or this date that you're on, I would consider that to be a waste of time personally. Yeah. But, but first dates don't always, and second dates and third dates, they don't go always as well because people are weird initially. And it like, it takes you a while to like Mm. get used to somebody's weird idiosyncrasies. Isn't it that Jewish dating show where she says, date them till you hate them. I, I think remember. that's such good advice. Like just because I didn't like my husband at first, but thank God I kept giving him chances. But what, or I wouldn't be married with. Children. But the thing, the thing, at least as I understand, as you've as you've told the story, it was your husband's leadership that brought it all together. And no, it was an absolute lack of other options in the area. <laughs> he, yeah, your story is that that you wanted to break up with him, and he said, "No, we're not." That doing was that. six weeks in, though. Yeah. The first I, first date we went out, hated him. Second date, I was like. I want to punch this guy in the face. And then I like looked around and I was like, all these guys are fags. Maybe I should go try that tall conservative guy that said two words to me on that person's second date. <laughs> Third date, shotguns, ate dim sum, made out in his car, and we've been together ever since. But he gave you an affirmative plan at that. Like when you tried to leave it, he said, no, you're not doing that. That was six weeks in though. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. Trying, I'm just saying there was a male no, leadership totally, component but like, here. 
if I was all hung up on like the chemistry that we had on the first date yeah. or whether or not he was charismatic or a good conversationalist or whatever, when none of that shit actually matters, then I would have missed out on this amazing opportunity. So, you know, date him till you hate him. Anyway, uh, d- make a plan, stick to it. All it takes is one. You will find her. If you, the other thing I think about when, when, with, with There's what worked one. for me, you got to treat it like a job. You know, you it got, is you, like a job. You yeah. have to be intentional, sincere, um, and you have to keep at it as though you are searching for or applying for jobs. I know that takes like all the romantic oh, yeah. element out of it, but you're, you're trying to shape your life into something worthwhile. And you should probably take that even more seriously than you take a job application. So give oh, yeah. it, no, give, I'm, I'm bought into that. Yeah. yeah. You, you, I guarantee it sucks if that you, romance is totally gone though. Well, you find it the is. right person. I mean, it, yeah. it might not be, but you, the point is you got to find the right person for the right reasons. And unless you're intentional about those reasons, it's not just going to magically happen to you through coincidence. You have to design it and take a leadership role to make it happen. And I spent the bulk of my younger adult years thinking, Oh, this is just like some magical fairy tale story is just going to happen where I'm going to fall in love with the right woman. No, and, it requires work. Yeah. My husband always says that to me. He's like nothing in, in life doesn't require significant work or hardship yeah. nothing worth worth it in life like he's like things don't just fall into your lap um and i think he's totally right about that like you do although it's really not fun and it sucks the romance out of everything you've got to treat dating like it's a job yeah well uh do you want yeah. a quick last word zola before we let you go well i i had one more th- i think that's some pretty good advice i had one more thing i, I kind of like conceal uh, i i hate bragging about myself but the the honest truth is I have a I have a house. I have a higher income than the majority of men my age. But I just like I just conceal that because I don't want I don't want that to be like, you know, like the gold digger the reason, yeah. magnet. But but yeah. you're not like that, you're not gold digger the, rich, you know. Your net worth isn't fifty million dollars. You just make a stable income. Right. And you've got a great start for a man your age, you know? Totally, um, yeah. But, I don't think you're going to attract a lot of gold diggers. Women care about financial stability, not because it affords them this life where they can like buy all this shit, but because it biologically, it means that their kids aren't going to starve to death. So yeah, you really right. should be using every one of your assets. Every woman is using every one of their assets and then lying about some and uh, drastically improving others that don't really exist with makeup and yeah. clothes, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so like whatever you actually have going on, you should be putting out there and using to your advantage. Everybody else is doing. Well, it. I would say that you bring those factors in only when you've established that she's serious about the same goals. If she's serious about the same goals of family marriage, and then you say, well, okay, that's great. Here are the, the assets that I have assembled in pursuit of that. I wouldn't lead with the assets because she might be in it for the wrong reasons. You want to establish but I do the some reasons big, first. basic stuff like yeah. pay for the first date, go somewhere. Well, of course. Yeah, moderately yeah. nice. Well, you know? But I wouldn't lead with like, you know, I'm a homeowner and here's my salary. I wouldn't I wouldn't lead with that. Well, who leads with that? Well, I don't, so, some people might invert the order there. They might discuss that before they discuss marriage and children. That's true. That's true. Anyway, keep us posted. I'm interested in this story and how it unfolds. All right. I mean, I've, uh, I don't know if you remember me, but I've called, I, I was talking to you about the book burning last time. Oh yeah. Yeah. We got to talk oh, about yeah. that next time. 
We got to talk more. I want to know more about the details of these books that were burned. I'm told they're <laughs> they're very specific in their nature. Matt, I I think we need to just start doing it. We need to just 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 start burning them. You know. I'm right, right there well, with you. Next next how call, many, we can you can make the books? case. All right, last question. <laughs> Hold on, we, we, we actually got to go, man. But thank thank you for the how call. many books is uh, one tranny child worth? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds very COVID logic to me. But That's all right, but fair enough. All right, love thank you guys. You. See you later. We love See you too. Bye. Uh, okay. Dude, we are grand as a twenty-four-year-old has to be. Okay, That's a great gotta, start. That it, it really is. Yeah. Um, we got to hustle through these now. Okay. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. So we'll we'll move into our email questions here. Thanks to our callers tonight. Um, as a reminder, if you'd like to send us an email question, the way to do that is through the call-in show. No, the contact page of the website. Let me back up. com slash contact. Call-in show question form is where you send them in. We'll respond to those at the end of the stream each week, as we will right now. And then we'll get to your chats. Appreciate your patience, chatters. Um, Dingo, darling. Do you think the meteoric rise in the number of trans women among adults under 30 is in the U.S. is a preemptive move to dodge a coming military draft? Obviously, I'm not talking about the upcoming gay war in which Matt will achieve enduring glory. I don't. I don't think that's a factor. No, at all. no. I think it is a, a product of um, I, I, th- I think it's a trendy social contagion in the same way. I think like Abigail, uh, Abigail Schreier's case uh, on uh, in the book um, uh, Irreversible Damage that it is a contagion akin to anorexia, I think explains a lot of this, that there's contrary to conventional wisdom, that there's social pressure against transgenderism in many right. social circles, especially among young people, the social pressure or the social reward is in fact in the opposite direction. I think that's why you've seen such proliferation It is a way to achieve not only attention, but positive attention and praise and, and social benefit by engaging in this sort of stuff. And as a uh, last piece of evidence, have you seen how many people identify as uh, alphabet club at oh, Brown yeah. university? Brown University is a 40%. Something like that. That is not, um, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I will say numbers that large are not people strategizing against a military draft. It's, it's some sort of social yeah, pressure exactly. or reward scheme that is, that is causing that. Oh, sorry. Um, Wayne. Just click. Careful, careful. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's Wayne Glicker, but it, it, Wang Licker, Wang Licker. There's yeah. some other good ones. Oh, uh, what would be your response to those who argue that SCOTUS decision and it's such a serious question, Wang Licker. Um, the SCOTUS decision and students for fair admission and creative LLC are logically inconsistent. Because they're saying that universities cannot discriminate based on race, but the businesses may discriminate based on sexual orientation. A couple hmm. things there. Number one, uh, well, the, the most obvious distinction is that the universities are a state actor. Uh, we're talking about state actor versus private business. Private businesses. So the the state is not allowed to make to give preferential treatment or to give unfair punishment based on that race distinction in a way that the private business is private property. That's the key point. The second point, though, is to, to say that businesses may discriminate based on sexual orientation. That's not what the court said. Um, even though I do believe businesses hold that right, the court is walking this tightrope by saying that baking cakes or doing wedding websites is a form, 
It's it's an expressive behavior. It is a speech issue, not a property issue. And I think the two are kind of inseparable. I don't really like the logic that okay, they can't they can't force you to bake the cake or make the wedding website, but if they want you to make subway sandwiches for their wedding, you have to do it. Like that doesn't make right. any sense. You own your labor. You can't be compelled to provide labor for somebody else. That's called slavery. We don't do that. Um, but those would be the distinctions between those two cases. It's it's private versus state actor, and the court is saying you can't compel speech. And mm-hmm. so it, the court has said nothing about uh, laws in Colorado and elsewhere that say you can't discriminate based on sexual orientation. The, the right. court, those stand constitutionally. If Colorado says it is illegal for a business to say no gays in the window, Colorado can do that as far as current Supreme Court uh, case law is concerned. Agree. Yeah. Okay. You- Harry B. Umlicker. <laughs> if your spouse started gaining weight to the point at which you seriously started to lose physical attraction to uh, him or her, how would you respond? Would you be explicit and tell them to lose weight? Uh, would you be more subtle and suggest going out and hiking or jogging together? Well, uh, knowing my, like in my marriage, I would be explicit and I would actually expect my wife to be explicit with me. We're on yeah. very clear terms. If it was, if I was in a, a dating situation that was a little more sensitive, we hadn't established, um, a committed bond like, like we have in a marriage, I probably would be, I would probably take the path of like, let's do this activity together. I together. would try. Uh, that's, that's the approach I would take if it was a less established relationship. I don't know, though. I mean, if you're married, you got to you got to just talk about women also know these things. Like before I got pregnant, I was 10 pounds heavier than my normal weight or whatever. And I was just bitching about it constantly to my husband. Like, you want to tell me any woman doesn't know that she's getting fat? Hmm. I find it hard to believe. It's also such a mark of disrespect to your husband. If you can uh, if you can establish those those physical habits, it's it's great to do. It's obviously great for maintaining weight and all that, but it's great just from like a mental, physical well-being perspective. I just think if every person gets like at least a light sweat in a day or some level of endorphin rush a day, you're going to be a just a happier, better mood person. And um, yeah. and my wife and I have conversations about that, too. It's like. Yeah, you you you've been cooped up. You got cabin fever. You got to go out for a bike ride, or you got to go out. You, right, you know, yeah. do just get some sun and do something active for a little bit, and that is always helpful too. I mean, we talk about that on explicit terms. It's not a it's not a weight thing. It's like, yeah, you've 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 had too much time inside taking care of the kids. It's a lot of work, obviously. But you it's need, also for your mental health too. Yeah. Did you know that women that are obese? I could not believe this statistic, but women that are obese on the on the low end of the obesity scale, but exercise consistently, like two to three times a week, really mm. break a sweat. They have average lifespans that are like three to seven years longer than women of average weight that do not exercise. Can oh yeah. I, I can believe that. It's I, uh, that shocked me. Yeah, you get your it's heart shocked. rate so much lower. Um, you right. get all kinds it's, it's of benefits. It's not actually the obesity though. It's, you know, it's heart condition and their mental health aspects. Um, it's Kat Leonardo says, hi, listening to Blonde was one of the first major factors in getting me to finally join the dating pool. And last year, age 22, I found my first ever boyfriend. It's all great. Oh, excuse me. So rude. If Blonde is comfortable, could you please share your timeline of deciding to have a long-term relationship, finding your husband, deciding he's okay and getting married, et cetera. 
when did you decide you wanted kids? I'm looking for the female taking the stuff. I'm trying to navigate my way through this. I guess Matt can add a story if he wants, since we love him. And of course he's very special. Also, I was <laughs> born and raised and I'm located in the South of Japan and I'm totally down for coming up to Osaka or Kyoto for a meetup if such things should happen. Yes, we are planning a meetup in Tokyo on September 19th, the 21st or September 28th to the 30th. We're still sussing it out. So shoot me an email. Um, I always knew that I wanted kids. And then I met my husband when I was 28. And so I was like, I was really freaking out about it because I was getting a lot of online pressure too about not having children. So on like our first date, I was like, I want to get married. I want to have kids. If you don't see these things happening in the next like two years, I am not interested. And like, I, I was just like, there's no reason to have an age restriction. Like you're 22. Anybody you're dating right now Anybody you're dating from any age should be a match that you're considering for marriage. What right? about Al Pacino? He's too far. Fucking Al Pacino. Yeah. Um, no, but but shouldn't it, it, a woman of any age? There's no reason to be dating somebody if you aren't considering marrying them. Uh, I would agree. Yeah, I yeah. certainly. Um, you should know if the person that you're dating is that if you want to marry them within six months. Like I, I don't. I don't understand these people that are dating fucking forever. Every episode of say yes to to the dress that I watch that is not in the South. Like I've been with my husband, Mark for 13 years or my fiance. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, why, yeah. why is anybody it's date? A, it's for a good more general a rule. Year? It's like, it's he, he doesn't have to, I wouldn't say he has to propose by that point, but if, if the topic has not been addressed, uh, he's not going to address it after no. that amount of time. So listen, one year is ultimatum time and women are like, oh, you don't want to start your marriage with an ultimate. If a man hasn't proposed by one year, I don't care how old you are. You say, like, I want to get married and have a family. You're going to propose to me or we're going to break up. And it's, fair. it's totally fair. And I think it's fair because your time is more valuable than that of a man's. He can fuck around for the next 20 years and still have kids. You'll be screwed. Your life ruined. That's um, why women were supposed to withhold such things until men made the commitment to them. Totally. Uh, and uh, we've, we've long abandoned that role. Okay. So I think that that's deciding to have a long-term relationship, always finding a husband. You should know within six months, you should know within six months and deciding you want to have kids. I mean, if you're dating, you should want to have kids. That's another thing. I don't understand why anybody wants to get married or date if they, if they don't want kids. Why? Because of the companionship. You're going to get so sick of that person. Um, not so pearly thing says, I was never totally convinced by blonde's NPC theory, but I've had a very short, rich inner life for as long as I remember. That's true. A very rich inner life, not short. Um, then I just saw, then I saw just pearly things. Is she what blonde means by NPC? I recently watched her debate with H3H3 and destiny and can't believe no one in this girl's life has taken her to the side and said, stop. I know this podcast thing is a mating strategy for her, but I don't think it's working. I know. It really bothers me that people think that she's representative of women that want people to fill traditional roles. Am I supposed to believe that she debated Ethan Klein and lost? Is that what this is saying? She got fucking smoked. She got. I smoked. could believe Destiny because Destiny's smart, and even though no. I think that she probably has the better perspective, generally speaking, Destiny's, I could not believe what I was watching. Uh, maybe I she have to just, check this out. Ethan's a, a retard. Wrecked by Ethan Klein. That's yeah. what you're telling me. I mean, yeah, it was, I was, I was embarrassed for her. I felt bad for her and I don't like her and I hate Ethan. I was going to say, how do you feel about Ethan Klein? Ugh, and his ugly wife. They're a disaster. Okay. 
Uh, all right. Do you have any other thoughts on that? Uh, no. Okay. Loyalty to Emperor Trump. Hey, what are your thoughts we got on- that app and I just matched with a bunch of names. Oh, that. great. Yeah. I was telling Blonde because uh, our Thank list you. of baby names, uh, we're having trouble with baby name agreement. And so we're doing the, the app that's like, it's Tinder for baby names. You swipe through a bunch of names and I pick the ones that I like and she picks the ones that she likes. And then the app tells us which ones we matched on. So uh, we've, we've, we've got a few options out of that. I'm glad it's working. Hmm. Quinn. No, we gave you Silas. Okay. Even though that's my wife's pick, not my pick. Okay, We're taking okay. Quinn. Whatever. We'll see about that. <laughs> Quinn is definitely in play. If it's a girl, if it's a little girl, Quinn is absolutely in play. I like that. So the race is on. Although you're going to know the, we just found out we're going to learn the gender on like July 31st. Cause that's the anatomical scan. I will know in three days. So you're going to know before we do. So Quinn might get, although my wife, but my she pushes go, it out first. Yeah. But if you steal the name, it doesn't matter. You, you can't call a name. You can name your baby something legally when it comes out. <sighs> But I can't I know, be like, but, I call it. Uh, well, it, it, we can't. Also, we could also have children with the same name. It's not a big deal. Are you thinking for a boy or a girl? It's one of those. The girl. Yeah, I, I'm. I've known some boy Quins, but I like it better as a girl. Ugh, that's faggy. Yeah. <laughs> they were they girl. were perfectly fine young men. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, loyalty to Emperor Trump says, what are your thoughts on disloyalty to politicians? I hate disloyalty. This is why I'm loyal to Trump no matter what. He could ban bump stocks, want national red flag laws, as in take the guns first, due process later, endorse Lindsey Graham, praise the Vax as his greatest accomplishment, and abandon January 6th uh, or J6ers until he runs for re-election. But my loyalty to Trump will only go up. I gather this is uh, this it's is satirical. This is, or maybe it is Laura Loomer. Um, yeah, you ha- you have to be loyal to principles or values over people absolutely i think that this is a a a, a, this is an excellent list of trump's greatest failings i would agree Mm. with that um all i would push back on is i think there is a list of things that were done well too and those are a factor in the decision as to whether you'll support him or not but i didn't really bring it up in our supreme court discussion but this is two years in a row now that that his supreme court picks have crushed it and made significant difference i gotta give a lot of credit to that even though I also have to offer a lot of criticism for these points, but, um, but yeah, I mean, if, if there, Trump maintains loyalty, like probably no other politician does there, there is a cert. I would say it's like maybe a quarter of Trump supporters where Trump could become an actual communist. I mean, like hammer and sickle, uh, proudly displayed and, yeah. and waving the manifesto and praising Marx. And they would still say, like, that's great. He has his reasons. You don't understand. It's 40 chess, whatever. It's not most Trump supporters, but there are some. There are some for whom he is like a yeah. a godlike figure in that way. Um, No blind loyalty to anything, right? And yeah. With the, only accept, the only possible exception I would say is, I mean, I, I there's a sense of loyalty that I have to my family that I think extends beyond oh, right. most people. <laughs> Even that is limited. Like there are crimes my family could commit that would cause me to sever my relationship with them. Yeah. But in general, I'm going to offer more forgiveness to my family than just like random politician guy or random guy on the street. And the reason for that is that maintaining family integrity, that is the glue that not only holds you together and and gives you the healthiest possible life that you can have to make sure that you're, 
that you have a safety net in which to fall if things go bad for you. But when everybody does that and we have stable, cohesive families, that's how the strongest society is built. So it may seem like you know moral flexibility to, quote unquote, bury bodies for your family. And I probably wouldn't go that far. But there's also yeah. a moral truth that like keeping families together is how the individual and society stays strong. That's just yeah. that's all there is to it. Uh, Gilgamesh, hey, Matt and Blonde, always Blonde first. Have you seen the movie Murder by Death? It has one of the greatest characters played by Peter Sellers, Sidney Wong, a China man. Go watch it. I haven't seen it. I, I have know you haven't it. seen it. No, definitely have Noted, not. Noted, Gilgamesh. Thank you, man. Arlie says, gold is so valuable and the dollar lacks value. Why will people sell you gold for dollars? It suggests to me that gold is really no more than a commodity. And unless I'm planning to sell my gold for profit, there's no point in buying it. That's um a legitimate argument against... Uh, accruing precious metals that I've heard before. People have told me, although I'm not really sure, that gold has a lot of industrial purposes. It does have a lot of properties, uh, practical properties that make it useful. But in general, you're right that for most people, you're you're trading it in exchange for something for else. Money. Um, yeah, I mean, but, I think that's a totally reasonable argument for not owning um, precious metals. The reason that I do it is that I am trying to hedge against... Um, inflation and since i think that historically since the dawn of man people have exchanged currency for precious metals i feel like it may um withstand inflationary pressure much more durably than the dollar if silver and gold are worth zero we are beyond fucked we're fucked I know. <laughs> yeah. and i don't um i i'm a really casual precious metals guy uh, i don't my my stack as they call it i'm sure many would laugh at uh how modest it is yeah. Um, but to me, when I buy precious metals, it's less like, oh, this is going. I'm going to sit on this for ten years, and it's going to appreciate fifty percent, and I'm going to cash out and really realize all those gains. To me, it's like, no, no, this is um, this is the this is where I go if if things are truly chaos world, and I have to like trade or barter to feed my family. Oh yeah, that kind of thing. So it's it's. It's an investment, I guess, but I don't think of it the same as I think of like, uh, you know, investing in the stock market or something like that, where the intent is getting a return that you're going to realize one day. It's like, I want to have some things that I could trade if the world is complete shit. And that's that's a a large reason why my stack is not huge, too, is because I'm not I'm not acquiring it with the intent of like trading it out tomorrow. That's true. So. It's like it's, it's like an emergency savings account of sorts. That's true. Um, That's why I do it too. Yeah, we we will have to. Yeah, you're right. All right, we'll we'll keep it moving here. Sorry about all the Laura Loomer discussion. It was clearly more important. I just had to do it. Cheesemaker says we all know how corrupt the Biden family is. Putting politics aside, the Biden family are just horrible human beings, and people don't talk about that enough. Matt and Blonde, do you think, um, or what do you think about Joe Biden acting like his four year old granddaughter doesn't exist? What kind of person does that stuff like that really shows how horrible of a person Joe Biden is. I I think that um, I think that is an indicator of what sort of man this guy is. I, I I know like I'm trying to put myself in this position where my son grows up to be he's not going to grow up to be Hunter because my name is not going to be worth what the Biden name is worth. But let's Mm -hmm. say he's like some comparable Hunter level degenerate where he does a bunch of drugs and he gets a woman pregnant and he doesn't want to take care of that child. And there's some kind of separation and some kind of child support arrangement. That innocent child is still my grandson or daughter, period. Yeah. yeah um, I may have great disappointment in my son 
for the circumstances under which that life was created and for his lack of leadership as the father of that kid, lack of accountability, lack of responsibility. But that is not the kid's fault, as you say, and that does not make that kid any less of my grandchild than any of my other grandchildren's, hoping I grow old to see them one day. But I, I would agree that is it like is it strictly relevant as a matter of politics? Maybe not, but it does tell me what sort of value system this guy has. And as far as I understand the arrangement, the Biden name is being protected from this little girl as though she's a threat to it. And that that is an indicator of what the Biden name means to these people, too. It's travel around the world. You exchange it for China bucks or whatever. Um, But the idea that the Biden name is more valuable than her is uh, is a morally bankrupt one. It's a, mm-hmm. it's it's uh, it, it sucks, but uh, but yeah, I don't I don't think you're wrong about that point at all. Do you have anything else you want to add to that? Yep. Okay, uh, two in the some in the some in some in the pink and some in the stink and whatever. Oh. Yeah, that was the grosser part. Why did you say it? whatever? <laughs> with the recent rulings in the Supreme Court, it shows how important elections are with Trump getting to pick three justices for the Supreme Court during his four years. How big of an impact has this made on the country? Could you imagine if Hillary won the presidency and the court leaned to the left six to three? What are your thoughts? Well, I can't imagine it because we kind of lived that. Like Roe v. Wade was the status quo. Um, The law in Colorado would have stood. Affirmative action that we had in practice for decades would have just remained intact. And I know a lot of that probably still will remain intact, kind of. Yeah, I can imagine it. It's what we had for for a long time. And uh, and so it, it I don't know that it would have been worse. It would have been perpetuation of that status quo. And the status quo was legally wrong. Uh, I think it was morally wrong in many ways. And it's good to have those things overturned and to have these decisions returned to the states in the case of Roe v. Wade and to make sure that if we actually believe that we're a country where the law does not uh, make preferences for some people over others on the basis of race or sex or whatever else, yeah, we do away with these legal constructs that in fact do exactly that. So um, yeah, they're, they're all major wins and, um, and I'm glad that that Trump's picks were able to achieve them. And I'm glad they had the balls to do it too, especially on the Roe v. Wade one. Like, yeah, I mean, shocking. I'm still shocked. Yeah. Uh, so good for them. I, 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 it is without a doubt Trump's biggest achievement. I don't think it's even close. Uh, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, you're a up, right? Thorn. Yeah. Uh, the left is literally coming for our children on, on multiple fronts. They threaten our livelihoods at best and openly wish to take our lives. Um, at worst, if we dare speak against their agenda, they weaponize government against the people. They demonize the majority uh, to minorities based on lies which amount to confession of their intent through projection onto perceived enemies and do it all without fear because the majority remains head down and silent. Do Americans still have the fortitude to rise to defend Liberty or have we already lost the war for the very soul of America? I mean, this is what we were talking about with new Tratus. Um, not new Tratus, It was a subsequent caller. whose name escapes me. Um, it's, it I don't was know. the T one where I couldn't read it. Cause it was T dot, uh, dot dot. Yeah. I don't know if we have the fortitude to, wage like a revolutionary style war but um if like down home americans with guns if they start coming to take our kids like there are going to be a lot of cps worker brain splatter on sidewalks in north idaho 
like no one's gonna come and like no one's gonna come and take my kids it's it's just not gonna fucking happen like there's no way some people will allow that but some people will um will die for that well good good parents will you have a you have a parental obligation to die Uh, maybe die is the wrong word but to put every piece of resistance you have against such a thing that your job it's my job as a father to give my life for my son if the circumstance demands it right um i hope that never happens but if if there is a choice to be made that is the choice that that is morally necessary um but i don't you know obviously i I do think that we are at a time of um weak men of poor or absent moral cores and that is uh, a problem if you're trying to if you're trying to create any sort of uh force that has any sort of credible resistance capability whatsoever that said it doesn't take every single man. The 3% concept of the Revolutionary War, I know it's not strictly accurate. People dispute the number. But the reality of, of even that war is it was not every guy grabbing his musket. It was a select few men of remarkable physical strength and moral fortitude. Yes. That's all. We need a... We don't need most men. We need a small minority of men with a particular set of traits. And I don't know that those guys are gone. In fact, maybe there's some, I think those guys where they exist, they're shying away from things like the military. Like even with what we're talking about with new Tredis, they're being told that they suck. They're being told they're the enemy of society, that they have created all these oppressive structures and they're keeping everyone down. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're out there. They're just, they're not organized in the way that, Maybe they were uh, in conflicts past or maybe they would be in a more traditional military or something. So even though I look at like my average male peer and I think like uh, uh, you, you have a lot of work to do. And I look at myself yeah. and say that too. All right? I'm not some demonstration of perfection. We all have work toward be- bettering ourselves. And I'm fully aware of that. I don't exclude myself. I just mean the average man right now has a lot of work to do in mm-hmm. in moral character and in in physical strength right but we don't need we don't need uh 50 of guys we need 10 5 percent, something yeah. like that and they exist so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna maintain a little optimism on that front um tough times do create what's you know the, the whole saying about tough times and strong men or good men or whatever um if only by necessity those tough times are gonna are gonna create men of strength and character uh we'll see that happen Chris M says, hey, faggots, recently I've been trying to sort out a principle for what constitutes gouging when it comes to pricing. As a person that supports the idea of free markets and understands the economic reality of supply and demand, I'm having trouble figuring out when when something becomes gouging versus just being high demand, low supply. Do you have any specific thoughts on the matter? In general, this may be an unpopular perspective. I don't really think gouging is a, it's, well, it's, is a valid pay- concept. I don't think so either. It, you know, the price is determined by the market. So if people will pay it, is it price gouging? There's I, people refer to price gouging as like the, the level of necessity within any given market, which I kind of think that that's bullshit. I mean, there's a level of immorality in raising prices in in a really desperate market. I I understand that, but like, do I think that what Martin Shkreli did was wrong? 
No, I, I don't kind of don't care. I need to I need to remind myself of all the circumstances. I know the way it was portrayed in the media was uh, not a shocker, not quite accurate, if I remember correctly. But yeah, I mean, the price of any good is what people are willing to pay for it. That that is the reality. And you, as the owner of that property, do hold the right to sell it at at the rate you deem appropriate. And if people are not willing to pay that, you have two options. You can lower the price to what they are willing to pay, or you can say, no, no deal. And you can maintain that property. Fundamentally, those are the moral principles that govern the exchange of property and set market prices for every good and service under the sun. But there's another argument to be made here. And I know John Stossel has made this one, and I think it's it's pretty convincing. And I think there's some evidence for it, too. When you have a situation like a natural disaster, let's say a hurricane comes through, and there are a bunch of people, let's say a hurricane blows through Mississippi and, and people need generators because they didn't they didn't buy generators when times were good. Now they need them. Yeah. The example he used was people from like Indiana buying up generators that, that, are, that are available in Indiana, driving them down to Mississippi and then charging something like double the price. Now, you can call that gouging. The reality is they did provide a service and they they took on costs to get that good there. And those people in Mississippi happily wanted to purchase these generators for the price offered, even though it's twice, maybe three times what they would normally be under normal conditions. And when you have some sort of price gouging law that comes in and says, you can't sell that generator for that price. Guess what? Guess what happens? Nobody gets a generator. Yeah. Instead of saying, well, do I want to buy a generator for a a big price? You have no option and there is no generator. So would you rather have the option of a costly good and you can decide or no if it's options. worth it to you or not? Or would you rather have no option available to you at all? Yeah, I, I think uh, I think gouging is in general a completely subjective concept that ignores the reality that you as the the holder of that property get to determine what that property is worth to you and what price mm-hmm. you're willing to sell it for. And you as the buyer have the option to say yes or no on that basis gouging is just someone else's subjective sense of what that's worth and saying, well, I don't think it's worth that much and I wouldn't pay that. Great. Don't. Um, I know that it's a little more complicated than that. I know you can make the argument of, well, when people are suffering, you should really open up your heart. And and, yeah, I agree. It's good to help people when times are tough. That's generally a good thing to do. But at the same time, I know that if like there was some emergency in some faraway state and I could go help, but it's going to cost me money to go provide that service at some level, there's nothing immoral about recovering those costs and making sure that you're not sinking yourself financially in order to provide something good for somebody else. That's the nature of how it all works. So, right. I mean, the, the, our economy works because some person A values the commodity more than person B does. Um, and so, so it's exchanged on that basis. If you try to tell these people in the exchange, no, it's worth this much and you can only exchange it for this price. The exchange itself evaporates because hands are thrown up. Well, yes, yeah. I don't agree with those terms, so I'm out. And then the choice disappears. Anyway, they, I, gouging, I find to be a fascinating concept. So thank you, Chris. Uh, Neptius. Um, so for Moscow, nothing was different. With the Wagner stuff, we're in Kazakhstan now trying to get my wife a visa, but she messed up on filling out and blamed me for saying that I haven't done anything right in my life, oh, including God. marrying her. Plus, Oof. she said she regrets getting married. Any advice? I'm thinking this was a red line. It's time for divorce, whether or not her visa goes. And everybody likes to wax poetic about um, not getting divorced under, under any circumstances. But there are no children involved in this situation. And, you know, these people have an opportunity to have children with other people, like get divorced. 
just get divorced. You, you could have a life with somebody else. You could have biological children with somebody else. There are no children. Do you want to spend the rest of your life with this bitch? Get divorced. I, oh, man, I, I am someone that, that really is going to, I, I think you have an obligation to uphold that commitment to the full extent till death do you part sickness and in health but all of that means more when you have children it does, it does. Uh, and that is part of the bond and there's a there's a higher level of obligation there but damn like if this person is telling me it, you made a mistake in marrying me jesus dude i mean i don't like i advocate male leadership to get these things back under control but if she's sincere about that and saying it repetitively it's like what do you am i supposed to point a gun at her and say that's incorrect like how how do you how do you force that sort of situation i i think let me be clear on this um i don't like the idea of divorce even in this circumstance where one person is just saying it was a mistake because my response is tough you made a commitment i don't care if you think it's tough that's the point you see it through but if that is her perspective the moral failing is hers. It is not yours. And so I understand why you would decide to separate in this situation. Um, I don't like it. I think it's a violation of that commitment, but you're not the one doing it. Uh, so I, I, that's the best I can say for it. That, that, it is, it is this wife's moral failing and to, to maintain the commitment that she made. And I, I just, I find that to be a massive failure. So, um, I really hope that you're able to resolve it. It sounds like she sucks. I, I'm really sorry that you have to. I'm trying to imagine what it would be like for my wife to say something like that to me and the rage I would feel if she said that. Oh, yeah. Um, but I I trust you will navigate it to the best of your ability. And if it ends with. If it ends that you guys split, I, I can agree that um, at least there are no children involved. That is a completely different factor. Gummy says, Blonde, you're trapped in an elevator. Who would you rather be stuck with, Esty Williams or Pearl? Okay. Pearl. I'd rather right. be stuck with Pearl. Yeah. Uh, uh, David Koresh Matthews Band. That's like my favorite name. I uh, can't wait for the Bible study to come back, but perhaps I can ask you both what you think of the thesis or theories surrounding the ancient aliens in the Bible. I know if it were true, it would take spirituality out of the Bible and cheapen the stories. So I want it to be false theory, but I can't stop thinking about it while I listen to podcasts, read my Bible, and continue my studies of Christ. I don't know. I think it all is horseshit, but I like to think about it. I think it's like a fun thought exercise. I love the show. Ancient Aliens is a great show, although they really tried to make it run so long that everything became an ancient alien theory. But like season early seasons, especially season one, uh, things like the way DC is laid out and whether that has alien connections <laughs> stuff like that, I find to be really interesting or just how certain things were achieved by ancient societies without the technology to move blocks that big or you know carve things in the way that they supposedly did or apparently did that stuff i i find to be really interesting i don't know about ancient aliens in the bible though that's not a concept i've really uh explored but i guess you know what what would be the how would we know if they were aliens or if they were like heavenly beings like angels or something what would the distinction be i don't know about yeah, I'm asking a question too late in the show that we can't answer. Shaquille Oatmeal, thank you, David Koresh. <laughs> Peace and blessings be upon you, of course. I'm one of uh, millions of people who would think that a civil war could actually happen with the way this country is going. 
Um, it seems that it's more conservative people who think this could happen. Conservatives are also the ones with all the firearms. Why does the left not fear something like a civil war being that they are more conservative? There are more conservative gun owners than liberal gun owners. It's because they have uh, such an enduring faith in, in the power and force of government that they think right. that the government uh, unquestionably could dominate uh, a resistant civilian force. Look at people like Eric Swalwell saying like, well, we have the nukes. Look at people like Joe Biden saying you're going to need more than an AR-15 to fight my stupid fighter jet. Um, they just these people have a religious devotion to the state and to government. And so in their mind, government is all powerful to resist. The government would be futile. They don't think when they think of this conflict, they don't think of themselves as the people fighting the war. They think it's like right. some nameless, faceless federal agent who's going to do exactly, all the things yeah. on their behalf. In the same way that the federal government, you know, cuts them checks and provides them with health care and, uh, you know, subsidizes their education and all all other things uh, like that. So, yeah. And they're not they're, they haven't been made to be fearful because there hasn't been a violent pushback on them in, in a really long time. So they've kind of forgotten that they should be afraid. Right. Um, I don't know. I mean, something will correct eventually. Mr. Ed, uh, how brainwashed do you think the average person is? Um Boy, very, I mean, a lot. This COVID thing was, even people that I know that are smart and nominally conservative still got the vaccine and shit. I wonder, um, I, I would make a slight caveat here. And I don't know that it's brainwashing so much as social pressure. Um, I think that Fine, with, I mean, with yeah. Corona, I think a lot, if not most, knew that it was nonsense but they were kind of going along to get along and mm -hmm. as evidence for that again i will cite my lived experience um when the mask mandates got flipped on everyone at the grocery store is wearing a stupid mask when the mask mandate turned off nobody's wearing a mask and that tells me that these people didn't really believe that the mask was necessary they were just doing what they thought the authority wanted them to do right so i think that that there's a huge percentage of people the brainwashing isn't that they believe, like in this case, the corona nonsense per se. It's that they believe they're going to get in trouble or face some kind of um, challenge from their peers if they if they challenge the authority in that way. That's the brainwashing. It's like a it's a submission or compliance thing rather than like matters of fact. Is my right. sense. <clears throat> right, right. And and so in that sense, like brainwashed to comply with authority figures. I would say much more than I'm comfortable with. Corona was an mm -hmm. exercise in realizing that like people, people will blindly follow orders to a silly degree. And, and luckily in this case, don't get me wrong. I'm not dismissing how immoral and wrong the things like the vaccine stuff, the vaccine mandates were, but in a lot of cases, the stuff was just silly, like wear a mask, stand here, but not there. Walk only this way down that aisle or something just like arbitrary nonsense, silly things people would do it in large part without any questions. It, right. I just, yeah. I, I genuinely want to know if Fauci said, kill your neighbor. If Fauci said, or like, you know, I don't, if Fauci said, chop off would your left hand, the number's not zero. I know I'm not going to exaggerate <laughs> and say like most people would. The number's not zero though. It's non-negligible. Yeah. yeah. Halo with horns. Do you think that wisdom teeth are most often removed unnecessarily? I've never thought about that. Was I duped by big oral surgery? <laughs> I don't know. Probably. 
I mean, but we do have vestigial organs that just don't do anything. I had to get mine out. They were severely impacted. It was causing all sorts of problems. I got mine out uh, preventively. No, preventatively. <laughs> I had, uh, I, without going through the full story of all my orthodontic and dental work. Yeah, I, I've said it before, but I had four teeth out here behind the like yeah. the canines to make room to pull my teeth back for orthodontic reasons. And then at the same time, I had the, the wisdom teeth out. So I had eight teeth out in one that. day when I was like, oh. I must, I think I was like 18, 17 or 18. I was big a oral, chipmunk. big oral surgery duped. Uh, you know, they duped my, my parents and me, I guess. I never, I've never um, thought about the medical necessity. I just assumed it was, I took their word for it. You just got to trust the science. Yeah. Uh, are you going to raise your kids to be Christian? If so, how? Hmm. Yes. Um, I haven't been to church in a while, but I am baptizing and raising my kids in the Catholic church. Hopefully I can get my marriage normalized in the church and then go to a traditional Catholic. I've not made any definitive decisions on that, but I could certainly see it going that way to the extent that I am personally interested and committed to, for example, the Bible study, which I forgot to mention in David Koresh's question. Uh, It is returning, although we have to delay I know we had planned to return it in like June or July here because things have gotten so busy for me and for Robert who leads the Bible study. We're now planning for the week after Labor Day. So September 15th, it's coming back. We're going to do Genesis, a Genesis introduction and acts. I'll make some more formal announcements about that later. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it's clearly uh, intellectually and and philosophically important to me. And I can't I don't know that I'm going to raise my kids with the expectation that they are uh, uh, they're adhering to a particular faith, but I can't imagine raising them without any introduction to it whatsoever, without right. without any concept of it. So it it will be a part of it. I, I can say that with confidence. Will it? I don't think it's going to be a situation where it's like it's definitely going to be this denomination at this church, and we're going to do X, Y, and Z. But I am not going to do the opposite, which is like no religious or faith component whatsoever. Because to me, it's a necessary piece of, of the moral component. Like I wouldn't raise mm-hmm. my kids without some kind of moral understanding. Where right. am I going to get that? Um, okay. I can do a few of these. Fantasy land, magic world. Yeah. Anyway, thank you to the, to the email questioners. I uh, appreciate it. Um, Greg Williams, uh, guys, our forefathers were not Christians and actually constantly staved off Christian attempts to usurp the constitution. Also look back in history, find me a single Christian nation of any denomination that wasn't a dictatorship. I don't know why this argument has taken hold that the forefathers were not Christian. They were, they were theistic rationalists that had Christian philosophy totally baked into their moral cake. They believed that societies could only be moral within a Christian framework, but largely they were deistic without a particular denominational focus. That's not to say that they weren't Christian, right? They weren't atheists. Our our country remains majority Christian today. Now we can debate to what extent they are truly Christian or not. But the fact of the matter is this, this country has been overwhelmingly Christian throughout its entire history. Um, I'm looking at uh, some, some stats from, from Pew right now, 50 years ago. So like, in 1970 or so, 90% of Americans identified as Christian. Mm-hmm. That number has fallen since, but it's still a majority. You can be a Christian nation without having some sort of um, 
biblical dominance in your government framework. And I think that is the that is the design of this country. The idea um, that that what's going to lead to peace and stability is is a moral core within the people. And you need the light touch of government to deal with the people who don't get it and want to violate the rights of others. That's the yeah. entire concept. And so, again, if the challenge is what country has been a Christian nation and not been a dictatorship, this one for virtually its entire history until recent times. And as it trends toward centralized power, it has become less Christian, not more. That would be my answer. And I think it is factually based. I would challenge with uh, with a counter and say, name a country that has upheld moral standards based on nothing. Based on right. like secularism, yeah. based on what? Based on nobody, what? an absent moral framework and adherence to majority whim, adherence to no fundamental moral truth as we have in this country, like the Declaration of Independence, like the concept of natural rights. I, I, I don't think it's unfair to say that this is a Christian nation that was not a dictatorship for virtually the entire duration of its history. I, I, I think the fantasy, I think the fantasy here is that there's some, that there's some country or some place where the absence of a moral framework or religious faith has led to freedom, prosperity, productivity. Totally. Yeah. Look, look at, uh, at, what's the classic work by that German philosopher, uh, the Protestant ethic and like the, the concept of, of, of how the Christian ethic led to the explosion in productivity and, and, mm -hmm. and, and um, the success of, of capitalistic and free economies and all that. These things are inseparable. Like you, to me, I, I don't know that you can, to say that the success of Western society and Christianity have no relationship to one another, I think is, is, and I, I, I know Greg, like that, that might not be what you're saying strictly. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but to me, those are, those are inseparable concepts. How, how do you, how do you say that one had nothing to do with the other? If that is right. what you mean, yeah. or that, or that somehow Christianity leads to tyranny when in fact, for decades or even centuries prior, it led to the opposite. It led to prosperity. It led to freedom. It led to the building of, of great society and great culture. Yep. I have to go relieve my parents of the babysitting duties. But um, okay. Brian Call said, sent one to me and said, Blah, when you come to Japan, if you're in the northern part, I'd love to show you and your family around, do some translation, and explain how samurai were eastern cowboys for most of their history. Please shoot me an email. Blonde of the Belly of the Beast at gmail.com. And I hope that we can work something out and meet each other. That'd be so cool. Thank you guys for joining us tonight. Skag's going to finish out the super chats. I'm going to go relieve my parents. I can hear my daughter downstairs. All right. Now. I'll see you Have guys later. I'll see you on Sunday. Okay. I'll finish out the chats here. Uh, Long Don John said, Did Blonde skip my super chat? I thought we got yours earlier, but let me uh, circle back and make sure. Um, I know I saw it. What the hell's going on here? Long dong. Oh, it's because it was it's one word. Long dong. What was the first one? Uh, show suggestion of the week. Ditch blondes list for the fifth Sunday and review Sound of Freedom. <laughs> uh, yeah, the the only trouble, the only problem with that, I would be willing to do it. Is um, the problem is, of course, it's in theaters only, and I got to get like a babysitter, and it's a whole thing. Um, so I don't know that that's practically possible for now, but I am interested in seeing it. Let's see. Uh, Michu says to the first caller, religion provides standardized, excuse me, standardized morals for a group or region. It is to my benefit as a non-Christian to adhere to Christian morals, to live in this country, which 
uh, is culturally rooted in Judeo-Christian values. I'm not sure I fully understand the the uh, what point is being clarified here. I, I remember the context of Richard's call, obviously. Um, but I, I think uh, to, to return to that conversation or to see how this fits into that conversation, um, does it just provide standardized morals that are at some level arbitrarily decided or is there some level of objective natural truth to them? Uh, I, I think is 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 really what I'm hoping to get at there. What I don't understand is if you're just going to latch on to these to these principles of certain religious faiths because they they quote unquote work or something like that. I don't. It just seems weird to me to latch on to that and say that part's true, but the rest of it is nonsense. Or the you know I I'm not saying this about Richard in particular because. He, he's free to characterize his own faith as he sees fit. But I'm just saying in the abstract, like general concept, these principles work, but everything else is not true or I reject all of it. I don't know. Like uh, where did those principles come from? If not the rest of the faith, I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I guess I find a dissatisfaction in like uh, sort of an a la carte approach to these things where it's like, I like this, but not that. And this is true, but not that. Um, this is true because I say so, or it's not true. I, I don't know. But I, anyway, we're at that point in the night, Nietzsche, where my brain is fried. So uh, big level concepts I will have to retire from at the moment. And uh, thank you for your for your chat. Clayton Bear, good day, Matt and Blonde. This is actually for Dangerous Spaces. I seem to remember you live in the Goldie, and we're having a, a meetup in Brizzy. If you'd be interested in a hangout, I've sent you a Twitter DM. Uh if you and the family is keen. Well, that's some Aussie dialect or Aussie dialect, depending on how you prefer the pronunciation that I don't understand. But Clayton, I'll tell you what, you can get in touch with show assistant dangerous spaces. If you email admin at mattchristensenmedia.com, or you can always hit him up on Twitter, but you can get admin at mattchristensenmedia.com and he can uh, get in touch with you there. If you'd like to try that. And thanks for supporting the show. Emma says I'm a Canadian whose parents immigrated from the UK in my position, would you stay in Canada or move to England? Um, well, I would say you should stay where your family is. I don't know what your family situation is. Your parents are, are in Canada, I assume. I mean, unless there's something you're trying to achieve in the UK, I would say you stay with your parents. You build a family uh, in Canada. But I don't know, unless I'm misunderstanding here, I don't know all the the circumstances. But that would be my answer. Stay put. Stay with your family. And thanks for supporting the show. Vanilla Butts. Uh, as one of your many gay listeners, thank you for demeaning me and my sexuality on the regular. When the impending gay war commences, I hope you spare me and my faggotry. God bless. Well, um, Vanilla, thank you for your your good faith. And, um, you know, like a lot of, obviously a lot of stuff is in jest and and I'm glad that you're, you're able to accept that people take like criticism of concepts so personally sometimes. And, uh, and I'm glad that, that, you know, you, you're not doing that. The, the, to speak as sincerely as possible about these things, like the gay stuff, the transgender stuff, um, it's always characterized as hateful. And I don't mean like us specifically. I mean, people who are skeptical of these lifestyles, so to say, um, it's characterized as hate, like, oh, I want these people punished. I want uh, I want bad things to happen. It's actually the opposite. The, the problem with a lot of the 
the sexual degeneracy, it's not just gay stuff. It's like the way even the relationship between men and women and the concept of marriage has been demeaned and devalued. When you, when you confuse these concepts and you devalue the ideal, which is the union of man and woman for the purpose of creating children, it's not just that there's like some, some religious concept that says we should do that. The truth of the matter is that that is the, the, for one, that's the, that's the reproductive strategy of the species. So there's that. But, but the second part is that is the lifestyle that leads to happiness for the vast majority of people. So when, with all this transgender stuff and a lot of the gay propaganda stuff, it's not about like trying to hate people into compliance or something like that. It, 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 there's a certain degree of, of sadness or regret with it because it's like we are propagandizing people into an unhappy lifestyle, generally speaking. I don't know your situation, Vanilla. I'm not trying to say that you personally are unhappy or you will be. I don't know. I just know that in general, the farther we stray from the ideal of man and woman united for the purpose of having children, the less happy people will become. And that's tragic. I want more happy, fulfilled people, not fewer. And that's what it's really all about. I, I know that you you probably understand that. I'm not trying to imply that you don't or something. I'm just, I'm trying to, since you brought it up, I'm trying to add a little clarity to that. It's um, it's not a hate thing at all. It, it It's hoping for the highest prospect for happiness and fulfillment for the largest number of people. And the, uh, the alphabet mafia is preaching the opposite, man. They're leading a lot of people to a life of purposelessness, of sadness, of regret, of confusion, of destruction. In the case of transgenderism, if you believe the stats of death and all of that is terrible. I, 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 I want people to question that and, and try to steer clear of that. That's what it's really all about. Carmen Nichols says, I love the name Quinn. My son, 28, is married to the most precious trad wife. The real deal, I have almost two-year-old grandson and another to be determined on the way. They are orthodox, by the way. Well, all the best to your family. And I'm glad to hear things are going well. And thank you for the encouragement on the name. It's uh, it's a realistic prospect. Ted Tellinghusen. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. Food and land are the only commodities. Um, well, without getting into a, another debate about property and all that, um, I don't know. Uh, I guess it, how inclusive is the term land? Like there are a lot of resources within land, I suppose. And animals, there are a lot of animal resources that aren't strictly food either. So maybe there's a, like a general broad concept here. I, I can certainly pick out exceptions, but are we talking exceptions? Or are we talking the rule? I can see the point you're making. Uh, 10. Thank you for uh, for supporting the show. Brian Call says, Blonde, when you come to Japan, if you're in the northern part, I'd love to show you and your family around, do some translation and explain how samurai were the eastern cowboys for most of their history. Brian, thank you for the chat. I'm sorry Blonde is not here to um, to hear that or to respond to it. But um, since this is way more serious, uh, we will do our best to, to get this Japan thing organized. Uh, we'll make you know more formal announcements on the show. And I could I could set up something on the website so that people can get in touch with each other. We could figure that out. So um, Brian, if you want to actually message blonde about the Japan thing, there is a, a way to contact her through the website as well. Head to the contact page of the website. You can send her a message directly there and you guys can connect that way. Michu says there's no such thing as objective morals. They can uh, only be made objective by written rules that everyone agrees upon. The non-aggression principle is the objective measure I use to determine moral values. I, I'm, 
I'd have to disagree with that. In fact, I think that's a contradiction right there. If you're telling me there's no such, there's no objective moral except for the non-aggression principle, why? What is it about the non-aggression principle that makes it the one and only? And from where are you deriving that? Um, I, I, I mean, I don't agree that morality is simply consensus. I, I, let's 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 say that uh, tomorrow, sixty percent of uh, our country or even the world decided that cold-blooded murder is just fine. Uh, has that changed the moral truth of the matter that it is not that there's something wrong with that? I don't think it has. I think there's a pre-existing rule, a pre-existing framework in the world that says that. I want to know exactly what that is and where that comes from. And admittedly, um, I don't have all the answers on that. Of course, I'm on a quest to find them, and that's going to be a quest for the rest of my life, I'm sure. Uh, but that's kind of the point. Um, yeah, if if everything else is simply consensus and that we all just vote on it why can't we vote away the non-aggression principle if written rule let's say let me and i know you can't respond me to but we could continue this conversation you know through email or uh, through a question of the show or through a call or whatever you want but let's say that everyone gets together and writes down and agrees that the non-aggression principle is bullshit and it's actually cool to be really aggressive and shoot other people in the face has that changed the moral truth of the non-aggression principle if not, well, then there is an objective morality. There is something that is true beyond just the consensus of human beings. Where did that come from? That is the concept we would call objective morality. Uh, thank you for the thoughts, man. And, and of course, thanks for supporting the show. Appreciate it very much. Searching for adventure. Puritans uh, started this country to separate themselves from the religious monarch in England. They knew God and Christ were real and wanted to worship without the state and the monarch mediators to God. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think, and, and Greg, if we get to talk about this, um, like in some kind of back and forth, I know super chat is not always the easiest way to do that. So I appreciate your good faith on that. Um, there, there is a difference between, between believing in Christ as your savior or considering yourself Christian and wanting that faith imposed at government gunpoint. And I think the people that founded this country were not in favor of that sort of thing, imposing the Christian faith at government gunpoint. Um, but that, I, I don't think that makes them non-Christian or, or non-devoted to the con like non devotees of the concept of God. Uh, in fact, I think the opposite. I think that uh, I, I'm not the, the, the revolutionary historian. I, I, I understand that I don't have a perfect uh, audit of every single guy's personal beliefs. But um, it seems to me that if you are going to advocate a concept of limited government, light touch of government, it it relies upon the idea that people will have some sort of moral constraint in their behavior. Where that comes from, if not traditional religious faith, is just a void. It's, it's nothingness. It's made, it's it's absent. And so I, to say that we aren't a Christian nation in that way, I just, I just don't think it's accurate. Uh, I don't think it's, I don't think it's factual. Even today, when most people in this country say they are of Christian faith. Wingy says, didn't Elon say he was going to do free Twitter, uh, a free Twitter release of sound of freedom sometime soon. I'm not hundred percent sure about that, but I heard rumors. I would be surprised by that because of course there's all kinds of contracts and, and, all sorts of legal stipulations about where that's allowed to play. And when it's in theaters only, my understanding is that stuff's pretty strict. So I, 
maybe down the road, like when it's released on demand, maybe it will be a Twitter release, but I don't think that's coming anytime soon. I might be wrong on that though. I'm just guessing. Let's see. Uh, Bert has a few on rumble says, uh, he says, please don't use a, a, a girl. Please don't name a girl. Quinn Quinn is short for Quincy or Quentin. That is not a girl's name. Uh, that's on my short list for boy names. Same with Madison and Bailey, all strong boys names. Well, I like Quinn for a girl, man. I don't know what to tell you, but I do like Quincy too, for it's kind of a colonial connotations. That's sort of cool. Um, but uh, it's, it's, it, you got a high prospect of Quinn for a girl, at least in this household. Bert says, um, when Matt puts away his precious, Bert again says, when Matt puts away his precious metals, the storage container asks, is it in yet? Ha 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 ha. Hold on. I don't have my rim shot ready, but you've earned one. Um, I, I, one of the things I did over the holiday break was, uh, uh, I bought such a stupid like nerd about this, but I bought more of like a treasure chest style container for my precious metals because it's like, well, if I'm going to buy like, you know, I, I like the hand poured bars that look more like, you know, pirate treasure or something. It's dumb. I know it's dumb and it has no bearing on the value of the precious metals themselves. But to the extent I'm going to hang on to these forever, I like kind of like some novelty value to them. So I bought a cool uh, pirate treasure chest that remains at an undisclosed location. I know it's not the most secure way to store your assets, uh, but nobody's nobody's going to nobody's going to steal them, at least without a hard time. Let's see. Uh, I think we're good on, uh, looks like we're good on rumble. We're good on D live couple on odyssey, uh, Schindler's fist. The idea of declaration of independence this day and age is a- is laughable. You don't even have a serious right as a white person to defend yourself from <laughs> non-white people. Uh, what makes you think you can declare yourself independent from non-white people? And they won't see that as an act of aggression. Oh, they will. They they absolutely will. I, I think that your point that they're going to let you go is 100% correct. Um, but you you do have a right to defend yourself from uh, the people who are attacking you, as you described. That, that is a matter of moral truth, regardless of what they say about it. You have a right to defend yourself from their aggression, regardless of what they do about it. That doesn't mean that they're going to say, you know what? You're right. Have a nice day and shake your hand as, as they leave. Um the moral truth of the matter remains unchanged. The practical difficulty of achieving it is very high. I absolutely grant that point. But at some point you come into a, a, a situation where you have to ask yourself, well, do I prefer a difficult conflict with the prospect of moral, uh, uh, with the prospect of, of moral truth, moral clarity, moral realization at great difficult cost? Or do I prefer uh, easy, comfortable borderline slavery under the rule of these people? That's what you have to pick. Um, it's definitely not easy, though. I grant, I grant your point. It, and if, if that was implied that, that we're just going to say like, you know, it was a fun time, but we've had enough. Thank you and leave. And they were going to say good day. Yeah, that uh, that was that was never part of the equation, at least in my head. Um, Schindler Schindler's Fist also says in the voice of Jerry Seinfeld. Well, I don't have a good Seinfeld, but what's the deal? Yeah, something like that. What's the deal with black people? Uh. <laughs> Okay, come on, dude. Oh, uh, it's late. This was his joke. Should I just read it? This is a joke, Raja. It's it, it's a joke. Understand that he wrote, what's the deal with black people? They're not black and they're not people. What's the deal? Okay. 
That that is not a Jerry Seinfeld original. You just wanted me to read that in the voice of Jerry Seinfeld, which I'm not entertaining. My God. All right, uh, with that, I'm one minute shy of a three-hour stream, which means it's time to get the hell out of here. It looks like we're good on all of our uh, on all of our chat platforms. Appreciate your uh, support for the show, your calls, your emails, all of that. Thank you guys very much. Uh, we will call it a night there. Of course, if you missed any part of the show and you'd like to listen back, I will have it up on the audio platforms very shortly. You can head on over to the website, mattchristensenmedia.com slash podcasts to listen back on demand. If you'd like to uh, catch anything else show related, um, mattchristensenmedia.com is where you do it, of course. And we'll be back on Sunday to uh, catch up with whatever news happens between now and then. Thanks for tuning in and uh, have a great week in the meantime.